welcome back uh, to the gaming podcast live. I am your host, Mia, and we're here every two weeks to talk gaming stories, news, and gossip with your favorite content creators. Now, don't forget, you can keep up with all the latest news and features from Gaming Magazine by visiting us online at gamingmag.com. But as per usual, I can't do this alone. I have a fantastic guest host today who is giving up uh, much of their time to be here right now. Uh, I'm joined by the lovely Urban Bohemian, otherwise known as Brian. Hi, Brian. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, Mia. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hi. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm having I'm having a Sunday fun day still. Yeah, long I've day for you today. You're up early. streams today, mm-hmm. but it's, well, I yeah, I'm up early, but you know, I'm I'm basically giving myself comfort food later for dinner, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. What uh, what time did you wake up this morning to get get stuff done? Oh, six thirty. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> wait, what is this? Six thirty? Is that a time? I know that, there. There, it actually does this? exist. Six thirty in the morning exist. does exist. It, okay. I promise. Don't don't look for it. It it, okay. it will find you. <laughs> okay. Cool. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I I've got issue because I listen. I don't get up until like three o'clock in the afternoon. That's a lie. That's a lie. I get up a little bit earlier than that. Probably like two, 2 p.m. No, I'm kidding. Um. It depends wow. on the day, really. Like, yeah, I, like yeah. I stream on US time, so my timeline is also whenever the people in the US get up. And I mean, as, as someone in the US, time. we appreciate it. We appreciate when we know anyone <laughs> anyone across the pond is streaming on our time because we're like, it must be so late for you. Mm, <laughs> mm, I feel that. Like, I whenever my friends stream, I have to. I have to. Um, like stay up till the early hours of the morning just to like hang out with them. And I'm like, could you not stream any earlier? But time zones are time zones, I guess. So I'll just have to move over there eventually uh, at some mm. point. Mm. Uh, just a quick reminder, by the way, uh, for those of you joining us here live, you can interact with both the ma- mag with the, the podcast, both here. <laughs> I can't talk it, today. Is it, no, is it, is it, was it, was it, wait. I, it just, mm, mm, mm. I can't talk okay. today. You know for what? Some Let reason. me. I'll say. You can say it. You can just say a, it. Just a just a quick reminder for those of you joining us live. You can interact with the podcast both here in Twitch chat and in a special dedicated section over in the Gaming Magazine Discord. That's yes. like exclusive access. We love indeed, that. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, now I will tell you why um, I'm a little bit tongue tied today, hmm. and it's because we have a super special guest today. Um, somebody I'm quite fond of whose uh, work is has been uh, amazing in the uh, the industry over um well in the time that she's been amongst the industry and uh you know having somebody like this on the show gets you a little bit tongue-tied so i apologize in advance for that um it is if you saw the announcement it is none other than our gaming awards icon winner Tanya DePass, otherwise known as Cypher of Tear. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Brian. Uh <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here trying really hard not to cry already. So um, exci- I'm sorry. It's exciting. I've I've known Tanya a long time, and you know, even I was a little bit like caught up by hearing this news. So it's it's really a wonderful 
it's a wonderful thing to know that, you know, what you've done is being recognized in this way. Yes. And some... I'm going to make I, you cry by the end of this podcast. I'm I not going to use the term happen. well-deserved because I, I, I've i heard you speak about that term. And I know you don't <laughs> like that lurking. being used. I, I, I've been lurking. I've been lurking. Let's say that. I lurk from time to time. But um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anybody like within the LGBTQ sphere I would personally like want the award to go to uh, more. So um, yes. But uh, how are you today in general? Like, how's today going? I know you both um, had a long day so far. Um, I was up before Brian and streaming. Oh, really? You were. That's right. Uh, I just had a, I can't sleep. I'm going to just get up. And I actually hopped back into the division, speaking of Brian. Mm. Um, but it was, it didn't keep me focused, I guess. And then I hopped into a, a indie game that I've had for a long time, just never played called Game Deck, and they were like, oh, this is Dark and NSFW. Oh, look at the time. We should go raid Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I love when games went... catch up with you like that. It's like, oh, this is more than I was, um, uh, this is more than I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> Imagine Blade Runner, but you're stuck in the game, and then the first place we go is basically a virtual king club. Oh, that was interesting. Like, so uh, it's okay. 6.30 in the morning. Um <laughs> Okay. Oh, it may be a little much for 6.30 in the morning. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was. I was like, you know, look at the time. Coffee. Coffee would be great right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great sign that we should actually jump into what we like to call the weekly recap, where we go over all the uh, the games and stuff we've generally been, been doing recently. Um, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll continue on. Tanya, would you like to, to kick us off? What have you been up to recently? Um, gaming wise, I actually, well, beside, um, wow, the ga- game deck that I played this morning, uh, a, I've been doing a little, sorry, what is Baldur's a game deck? Gate. If you don't remember, um, so basically the it's the name of the game. Oh, okay. Um, it's an indie game, so, but it's game DEC. So basically it's, it's kind of like net runnery, very cyberpunk where you go into the game to solve mysteries. So you're busy oh. a game detective. It's it's really interesting. It's very film noir. It's very cyberpunk. And had I not already played a couple of visual novels where I've been talking quite a bit, I probably would have done a lot. Um, because I went back to Tusk, a love story. Basically, you're the <laughs> gayest of gay orcs. But it, it's it's an indie game. There's no voice acting. And so it's all text. And I read from this game for about an hour. And before that, I played the demo Validate. And I can't wait for the final game, but that game came for all of us that are content creators. Oh, really? What's oh my God, yes. Validate? I've not heard of this one. What, like... Yeah, uh, Validate, a struggling singles dating simulator. And mm-hmm. there's one character who is a theater creative. And even in the demo version, the things that, that she says resonate with a lot of creators about just wanting to be able to create without having to worry about other stuff and how hard it is. And it was just like, I was not expecting to be psychoanalyzed by a visual novel today, but apparently that's what I'm going to get. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was really interesting watching <laughs> Brian play this. Uh, Cause I already had done all three routes and did the branches. So I've gone through the full demo. Mm-hmm. Brian had not. And this part, that part, I get it. You're a bottom. I was sitting there like at home cackling because I knew what was coming. It, it, um, 
Yeah, Validate is really, it's it's a really well done visual novel and it is not shy of including people of color, aka all mm-hmm. people of color, and it's not shy from including queer storylines. So yeah, it's really nice. Oh, like I I'm, I'm, I was just looking, I just brought up the uh, Steam page for all the audio listeners, you just missed uh, some of the gameplay there. Um, but I'm looking at the Steam page right now and it looks very uh, very, very definitely cute. There's a lot of uh, POC representation, which is absolutely fantastic to see. And uh, you say there's just a demo available right now? Yeah, oh, you can play it on Steam right now. Oh, damn. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely want to check there's that out. There's going to be 13 playable they, dates. Yeah, they're, they're going to write 13 playable characters into it. And they said that they refer to the storylines as routes. And they said mm-hmm. there are going to be over 30 that they have planned now. And I can just see so many narrative branches coming out of that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, like in terms of visual novels, I don't play them all that often. But when you find something, something special, I definitely want to like dive into them at some point. But it's uh, amazing how many are uh, LGBTQIA focused. It's like indie bread and butter. It's like LGBT bread and butter for, really for indie devs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Brian, what have you been up to recently? Oh, um, recently I have, um, I've hopped into Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which is, I've been, I loved Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. Other Borderlands games, not so much. So I was really wanting to get back to the franchise because Borderlands 3 was good, but I skipped over it. And the fact that Tiny Tina's Wonderlands kind of adds a tabletop RPG element into the Borderlands system has made it a lot of fun to play. The references and the callouts are just great. And um, I realized there's a bird outside that has a lot of opinions. So I may need to go close my window because shut up. But (laughs) um, it's been a lot of fun to play that. And otherwise, I really got hard into Destiny, their new season, uh, the story of the Witch Queen of Savathun, who essentially is the like the god of lies in the Destiny um, in the Destiny kind of universe. And what you're finding out is they're going back to do some really, really deep lore dives and mm. what player destiny players love theorizing about what's actually going on even though the devs don't tell us this one was there for those people who remember all of the destiny history up to this point and saying what you think happened at this point maybe what you think happened didn't actually happen and the gameplay has been fun i can always hop back into destiny and i love it i love i love that kind of like roll pu- <laughs> rug pull moment when they just right like- <laughs> Pull out the rug from underneath you and say, everything you think is the way it goes. No, nah, that's not that's not what happened. Nah, the, no. Laura's been lying to you this entire time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also played Tiny Tina recently uh, with a group of uh, content creators, uh, some lovely, lovely content creators, including Ebonics. Um, and it, that was a wonderful time just to go through and just like s- scream our heads off in that game. Um, yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, Tanya, yourself, do you play a lot of the Borderlands series? Have you played Tiny Tina? Yeah. Uh, yes, I need to go back and maybe pick a different route because I'm I'm on PC, but I also got a PS5 code. Mm. And I don't know, like part of it is is just that D&D player of I want to try every class. I want to do everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of classes. I think the only weakness about Borderlands is that in this, if you want to try those different classes, you will have to start all over again. You can't. You can't switch switch out your character mid through, so you really do have to do those first those first five or six chapters with every character to really decide which one you want to play. Mm. 
Mm, I feel that. Like, I, I can't remember which class I actually chose uh, or even, I, like, I can't remember any because I've only, like, dipped my toe into it and I can't remember mm-hmm. anything about the experience so far. All I know is that um, I was I was turning into, like, a spinning blade of death thing and, and just making Ooh. things blow up. So that was that was fun. Like, I just like the pretty colors and things that go boom. It's so Borderlands is like... from a game, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the Borderlands franchise is is all that. And I know that our producer, uh, Robin, is, is very fond of Borderlands as well. I think they actually sent him, like, a whole, like, mega, like, big old, uh, like, it deluxe was, version of it or something. It was from Robin that I learned that it was coming out because I didn't know that they were really going to make the expansion past that one-off DLC. Mm. And yeah, Robin let me know that the Wonderlands was coming out, so I kept an eye out for it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know what I have been doing recently, though? Because I'll d- just deep dive into, into what I've been doing this week. Um, I, I've been watching a lot of Elden Ring lore videos. I know that sounds weird. I don't know if you have you both played Elden Ring? Um, I played it. I'm very bad at it. Um, I think that's a given for most people. Or just all very bad at I, it. Like I have watched so much of it that I know it's the kind of game that I would be hilariously bad at. Mm. So <laughs> again, as we keep saying on this podcast, it's it's the most accessible Elden. Uh, sorry, it's the most accessible Souls game so far. What was your actual experience like with it, then, Tanya? Because I've talked about Elden Ring to death. So I'm going to let you <laughs> let you go off. Um, Oh, I don't know how much time we got. Um, <laughs> so I have tried. So the, here's the funny thing. And I feel like we're going to summon Pleasantly Twisted by talking about Elden Ring. Mm. Um, I I have Dark Souls 3. I have Bloodborne. And I have the Sins of the Scholar. Aesthetically, I love the games. Mm. I do like a challenge. I don't like the community around the game. Yeah, no, That's I understand that completely. Yeah, that whole get good mentality that they have. Right. Yeah. And so I have been way more successful with Elden Ring because of two things. One, it's open world. Mm-hmm. And two, even though I started playing it on day one, there were other people that I could then go watch and go, okay, well, maybe I'll try a different build. Maybe I'll try this. So unlike the other very linear games, I'm not stuck. Like if I get to a boss and just can't beat them i'm not stuck in this one section yeah because i don't know about y'all but i don't have eight hours a day to spend on one boss yeah no and no, i understand completely and um the the idea again we talked about this before on the podcast but um that you could just go just abandon what you're doing and just go do something else just makes the game mm-hmm. so much more like easier to get into and the options that it actually gives you now for the summon system and the ashes that you can collect all of this stuff uh, just made it yeah. much more enjoyable for me because I, I, I've given up on Souls games in the past like so easy. I, I've gotten to a boss and think, uh, well, unless I can beat it, like I'm, I'm not going any further. Like, so, this is it. This is the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is as far as you go. Yeah. Yeah. But Elden Ring, like this is the first game in that series that I've been, I'm watching lore videos for it. Like it, while I was playing it, I was constantly thinking about it all the time. I didn't quite get to the point where I was like dreaming about it. I used to have that in the past. Um, like for, for, I don't know if you ever had this where you, you'll dream about a video game that you've been playing, uh, just cause you're so obsessed with it for a while. Mm-hmm. It was Pokemon and also Tetris <laughs> as well. <laughs> I dreamt, yeah, weird. Like when I was playing Tetris back in the day, I'd start dreaming about playing Tetris. Very odd. Okay. I Cause I was wondering like, is it actual Tetris or is it Tetris in the style of like, a movie adaptation of Tetris. Like if you think about battleship, like, is it just aliens sending random blocks from the sky 
as a Tetris dream or just dreaming about playing the game Tetris? It was more so just dreaming about playing the game. I'm <laughs> the okay. most boring. Version. I'm gonna go now. No, I'm gonna go. <laughs> no, I was a kid. No. <laughs> Some some kids dream about swinging a Spider Man. I dreamt about playing Tetris. Okay, that's. that's but I, I bet you're really good at Tetris, so I suck at it. No, uh, I I'm I'm okay. My sister can kick my ass in that game. It's actually crazy. My younger sister, she's she, she, she's something else with Tetris. Anyway, but Elden Ring, <laughs> the the lore in that game as well, just like deep diving and 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 just watching all these videos to actually figure out oh that's what that was and that's what that meant um it's stellar game uh but i will go back to a conversation that we had about like accessibility for the game and like we had a whole conversation mm-hmm. about accessibility versus difficulty and it keeps popping up that um a lot of people say you know, even the, it, a lot of people keep saying oh you know elden ring doesn't need an easy mode um like the souls games don't need an easy mode and and i and i get that but I don't think anybody's been asking for an easy mode. I think they've just been asking for the tools to be able to play the game correctly. Um, you know. Oh, no, I've asked for an easy mode. I have no shame. Well, oh, I mean, okay. there, and the thing <laughs> is, there are now, you know, depending on the platform you're playing on, there are mods that make easy mode. And all the mm. easy mode mods do is they adjust the amount of damage you do and the amount of damage that you take. But, right, the accessibility conversation is so much different because I think everyone sees accessibility as asking for easy Whereas people who are proponents of accessibility are simply saying, let everyone be able to play the game. If you, yes. if you let everyone modify the modify inputs and modify this, they can all play the game the way, quote unquote, the developers intended. Because everyone loves to say that without actually talking to the devs. I don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm. I feel like that's where the, the quote unquote easy mode conversation goes. And I'm just like, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, no one's no one's asking to to make this game a walk a, a walk in the park. It's just for me when I play games, especially any narrative RPG, I want a relaxed, casual mode of play. Simply because mm. there's a huge story here, and if I get stuck at one fight, that is it. I will never know the end of the story. I will never know the next thing. I will put the game down because I can't get past one fight. And mm. there's you know, I, I just think that allowing everyone to play the game the way they want lets everybody see to the end and everybody wants to finish a game i i have tons of games i've put down and walked Mm -hmm. away from and there's like there are no accessibility tools or or changing options or changing inputs to make it any easier for me to get past that one encounter yeah i simply can't get past yeah like i've heard i've heard that criticism i've heard that there are there are very lack of accessibility options within eldering in terms of like making text bigger on the screen Mm -hmm. as your subtitles Mm -hmm. um in terms of like character dialogue not being able to be repeated just little things like that which would generally help a lot of people and i know for a fact that there are items in the game that can make the game easier for you but it doesn't like front load these items you have to go out and actually find them in the world which i think is like a really dumb thing because you have to go through that slog of oh this game is going to be hard until you get that thing which for a lot of people is going to put them off uh in the first place you know rather than just saying if you want it to be easier here are some tools that we can give you to make the game easier at the beginning and i think that would be incredibly helpful and it wouldn't damage the experience because i know that um the producer the director sorry has gone on record and saying like an easy mode would like completely fundamentally change the experience 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, and this is me getting on a little soapbox. And this is for any game, not just Souls games. Mm-hmm. It's not like if they put an easy mode in, anyone is forced to play it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, no one's putting any, no one's like, the, the dude's not going to bust into this apartment and go, how dare you play an easy mode? Because, again, we're busy adults. Most of my friends who are at a point where they've got a PS5, Xbox, whatever they're playing it on, they have day jobs. They've got things to do. And even five years ago, I couldn't have sat here and spent, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours because one, my wrist would probably fall off. Mm-hmm. And two, um, Blind Gamer Steve mm-hmm. did a whole thread about how he had to request a refund and the way that people harassed him. This he's visually impaired. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like you brought up, you can't change the text of the subtitles there's no like reading out of anything. And so he's like, I literally just want to be able to play the game. I'm not saying give me an easy mode because mm-hmm. people conflate easy and accessibility. And exactly. It's not the same yeah. thing. Right. And I think, yeah, people are not, there are not enough people who are understanding the accessibility conversation is allowing as many people as possible to play and enjoy your game. Even if, you know, I mean, Souls games are notorious for being difficult and tough, but if you're if you're basically you're you're um oh goodness you're blocking access to anyone to even be able to do that like yeah there are people who are happy to do that slog they're happy to fight those bosses they just want to actually be able to play the game and that's mm. you know tanya mentioned blind gamer steve he's not asking for easy mode he's simply asking let me access this game and then i can do what everybody else is doing exactly yeah exactly like those tools just aren't there uh to, mm-hmm. to be able to do that and that's all a lot of the time that's all that people are asking for i will say like um you said like they, they got um harassed for that which i'm not surprised mm-hmm. by because the souls community can be incredibly awful a lot of the time mm-hmm. i read this um there's a there's a tweet on twitter which brought up this am i the asshole uh thread <laughs> um <laughs> I think it's like this boyfriend and this girlfriend that they were both playing through Elden Ring and the girlfriend had gone through, she'd used like um, summons, she'd used like magic and stuff like that. And she got to the end of the game and beat it. And she was, and she was looking for, you know, she, she told her boyfriend that she beat it. And her boyfriend was like, oh, well, you, you essentially played on easy mode. You know, you didn't actually really beat the game. It doesn't really count because you use like summons and stuff. And it's like, such a toxic mentality unless you're like taking off all your clothes and running in with a single sword and dodging every single hit you're not doing it correctly it's it's horrifying yeah everyone in that thread was telling her to dump him because yeah like yeah i mean he was that, the one that, that posted is, yeah. it right he was the one oh, saying am i the okay, asshole then, yeah. for telling yeah. her that it's like yes yes i hope everybody beat his ass in a quote tweet i will say as funny as as funny as you say about somebody who walks around with like wearing you know just underwear and a and a sword i do love how there's that one player um, oh whose let, name me is let me solo her, her. Yeah. yes I do love that this person is now becoming their own lore entry in mm. Elden Ring because people people cannot deal with a boss and they just look for this person online and it's literally let me solo her and this person comes in and takes care of it and that's it. They don't ask for yeah. anything and they're just like done. I love that. The, the fact that it's a guy with two katanas, no clothes <laughs> and just a pot on his head as well. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, let a, me solo her. 
Yeah, let me. The, I need them. The person's name is Let Me Solo Her. And uh, if you look look at the hashtag on Twitter, which I'll try and do, uh, real quick. Uh, but they they. I need them. I still can't beat Market. Yeah, it's uh, it's. See, and that, I wish I could bring up that to me is I love because it feels it feels like a nice anti-response to the I'll say it toxicity of the mm. souls and Elden Ring community is this one person is like just summon me into your game I will take care of that one boss and then I will leave and you can continue playing and that's I mean that's like the joy of playing with your friends like you know in a in a multiplayer game like yeah we'll help you and then that's it that's all you need to do is get past this one boss mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic I'm just going to bring up a picture. I'm very, very sorry, audio <laughs> listeners, if you're listening to this podcast uh, right now. But I'm going to, I'm just going to show a quick picture just for Tanya's benefit of uh, I'm, I'm the audience watching of of let me. This is an artist rendition of let me solo her. It's just oh, yeah. one guy with uh, two katanas. One of them is a bleed katana. Just, just, just <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Just, just, just goes okay. into games next to yeah. um, the, the Melania boss specifically, and then proceeds to beat her for every single player, which is very, very wholesome, yeah. incredibly wholesome. And I think like that's. Oh, no, go ahead. Tanya and I talk over each other all the time, so I apologize <laughs> in advance. No, that's the kind of that's the kind of like positive like that's the kind of positive element that I want in that community to say like. You know, normally if you go and say, I need help, everyone tells you what you're doing wrong. Why aren't you doing it this way? Well, mm. you've got the wrong build for this. You got, and this person just shows up and says, I got this. Stand back. I got this. Mm. Okay. You're done. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that there's like so much art based around this person and how they're becoming like a, a legend in the community too. That's but lovely. Enough about, enough about Elden Ring for the moment. I'm going to move on to uh, the other cool thing that I did this week. I, Finished Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. I don't know if you if you played Final Fantasy XIV. I do not play the um. Oh wait, I'm sorry. The acclaimed, award-winning Final Fantasy XIV. I mm. do not play it. No. The critically acclaimed, <laughs> critically acclaimed, award-winning MMO RPG. Yes, Final Fantasy XIV. Yes, uh, <laughs> my God, I I it was. It's been this this particular um, expansion has been the culmination of a journey uh, that's been going on for like over uh, pretty much a decade now, and the the amount that they worked into the story, the throwbacks, these characters that you, you journeyed with and met over the time uh, over time, and the things that happened in the culmination of the story, it got me blubbering like a gosh darn baby. I ain't gonna oh, lie, I was just crying. Lovely. Like at the end during the credits, I'm just like crying my eyes out. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it was like it was such a meaningful experience. And I do think that like Final Fantasy as a series, it's up there as one of my top series uh, of a series I love. But in terms of, I don't think you could get this any other way. A game with a story where you you have characters and you have your own character injected into that story that you can take with you for so long. For such a long time, um, I, I really do think that's why it was so emotionally affecting, and, and probably I'm going to hail it as like one of the, the the best games. I don't play MMOs, but this is one of like the best games I've I've I, um, I've played. I do feel like that's one thing that Final Fantasy XIV has over so many other things is there's one thing that MMOs need to do to maintain those long form. Play- well, to main there are different types of MMO players. But their world building and story building and mm. the ability of Final Fantasy to put you 
actually and actively into the story. So you feel the stakes, you feel the consequences over time. And as, as you said, it's like, yeah, if, if something were going that long and I felt like I was actually a part of the story, I'd get emotional too. Mm. That's wonderful to hear. It's, it's not just that though. It's, it's the fact that they can make like minuscule things that happen like way back in a, in a patch somewhere or a, or a former expansion that you didn't think anything of. All of a sudden now it's like an important thing. And it's like, wow, they tied that in. That's crazy. That's amazing. Uh, Tanya, did you did you play through the whole thing or did you just play for a while and dip out? Or um, I I play it off and on. Um, one of our friends, Painting Pirate, is hardcore in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. And I've watched him play it. I've watched him play through Endwalker. I'm up and down on it because I don't have a solid group of people to play with yeah and again it's the it's the curse of mmos or any other group gaming i love to play i'll play with you i'll play with you and then crickets and then they, when you yeah. are ready to go play with people they it's, hard to get it's, it's, yeah, it's really hard. frustrating or if they're on another server and you're not on the same <sighs> server that's really annoying too what i did like about this last expansion though is like for dungeons and trials for every single trial or dungeon or like uh boss um, they've mm-hmm. introduced a trust system now, which they introduced the last expansion, which essentially just makes you play with the in-game N- NPCs instead that you're actually journeying with. So it's like throughout oh. this entire expansion, mm-hmm. I just ignored everybody in my chat who was like, yeah, add me to the thing. I'm like, no, I'm going to play it through with the characters that are in the game because it was like, it's so much cooler to have oh, these really nice. AI controlled yeah. NPCs uh, fighting alongside you. I mean, it's cool to do it with your friends as well or just like random people in chat. But again, to 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 have the story be more affecting to me. It's like, it just makes it feel more real, you know? Uh, that's, yeah. That's great. Mm. But uh, I, I feel like it was very deep with the with the NPCs at your side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The problem is you can't necessarily do that for all of the content, which kind of sucks. You do have to rely on other people sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. People. <laughs> people. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I did this week, I played Dead by Daylight on uh, Let's Go Gaming with Frank the Pegasus and Delfron. I continue to suck at that game. And uh... it looks like you know, we're having a good time, but I also am. I also suck at DVD, so I, I completely understand. <laughs> you think how many people in the LGBT community just like love that game? And I'm just like, I wish I was good at it, but there we go. I have there to admit, DVD is weirdly the it is the queerest is the most queering queer appealing game ever and i never would have thought that from a horror chase game yeah yeah <laughs> i guess uh, a lot of us li- love horror so we, and we love you know like killing people clearly no i'm kidding okay <laughs> okay you said it i you said it i didn't okay. in a fantasy <laughs> setting there it our goes. favorite <laughs> movie killers i'm i'm not there a murderer is, um, there is a lot of there is a lot of queerness in horror, so yeah, it it, yeah. it translates. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, it is time for a section that we like to call bite size news, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's where we go over everything gaming related in the news recently. And I know uh, you had a story that you were looking at, Brian. Oh, absolutely. So mm. I. I've loved the first game. Arcade Spirits, the new Challengers, is releasing in May 2022. Arcade Spirits, the new Challengers, is the sequel to Arcade Spirits. Um, Mm. It is a visual novel. It takes place in an era where video game arcades never went away. And it does a really good job. The first game did a really great job of having multiple stories, 
you feel invested in the story. There are a lot of queer storylines. There are romance options. There are also non-romance options, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I heard there's like friendship options in there too. Yeah, like you can friendship, you can basically be friends with everyone and decide you know what? Romance is not for you, which is kind of groundbreaking for visual novels. Mm. And the second game is wholesome. That's that's really like you really do. It's really fun to play. And I admit, like as Tanya mentioned, visual novels, if you're a streamer, it will destroy your voice, but you still have fun playing. It's, you know, Um, but I played a demo build of the second game, Arcade Spirits, the new challengers, and it picks up, right where the first one left off there are legacy characters if you want you can import your choices from the first game into the next one oh really you can now make a oh. rival um so you can basically have a rival where Wait, do you, you get to customize rival, the rival as well you get to customize your character okay. you can customize your rival you're both members of rival esports teams and from what i understand there is a chance for you to romance your rival Mm-hmm. And from what I also understand, there's a chance if you are interested romantically in two characters, there is a polyamory option wow. in Arcade Spirits and New Challengers. Have any other visual um, novels gone down that route? I've, um, I'm not like overly familiar I, with. I don't know. I don't know, but okay. yeah, I think I think that yeah, I think that that's a lot. They're bringing that in a lot more now. Mm-hmm. They're realizing. It's interesting that you mentioned, like, you mentioned Tusks and indie games. Honestly, visual novels are where all of these, like, queer queer stories and queer developers are basically like, yeah, we're just going to tell these stories and make them as mm-hmm. queer as possible. So I look forward to that. And what I most look forward to streaming Arcade Spirits when I do it is the developers, when they have time, they actually hang out and chat. And they will talk about Easter eggs in the game. They'll talk about the decision process in the game. And they may... I want to say they guide your choices, but mostly they judge our choices. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it a lot of fun. But I'm looking forward to that coming out next month. I am already brewing plenty of tea because reading through all those things is going to ruin my voice, but I'm going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I was I grew up in arcades. So the fact that you can kind of go back to that life where they never went away, even in this visual novel, I'm ready for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. It's uh, it's so interesting how um, just in general, like again, like you say, the best medium to tell LGBTQI stories a lot of the time is the visual novel. Even if mm-hmm. you think about, um, I don't know, Life is Strange, for instance, I would say oh. that's still a visual novel, but it's just like the fanciest version of a visual <laughs> really novel is. with good cinematography. <laughs> and, you know, I would, like, I would I'd say that. Um, so yes, Arcade Spirits. Uh, the first one got some pretty good reception. I, the Metacritic was probably like giving it at least seven or eight out of tens, which was pretty cool. Our own uh, editor, Amy, played the first one. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Very much excited for this uh, second one coming out. I believe it's coming out on May 27th. So make sure you check that out when it does drop. Now, did anybody catch the Kingdom Hearts 4 announcement? I did. Mm. I didn't realize it was real because it's Kingdom Hearts. Yes. <laughs> I put out a tweet afterwards saying, like, uh, I look forward to playing this in about 10 years' time when it finally releases. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the new Kingdom Hearts uh, game was announced as part of, like, uh, their anniversary event. Uh, essentially, um, Sora is now in this amazing modern-looking world, has been isekai'd into what essentially looks like the real world. It's all very fancy looks very very nice and of course has a bunch of disney characters in it 
Um, speaking of Disney, <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Disney's air uh, has uh, has has come out of tr- as as trans, which is absolutely uh, wonderful. This is the I believe it is the the son of oh lord, why can I oh, not goodness, remember their name? The air, hold on, it's yeah. Charlie. One of the wait, this, Roy uh... Roy P. Disney is the nephew of Walt Disney, and uh, this Charlie is their son. That's that's how yeah. this works. Yeah, your father is the grand nephew, so it's quite yes, the grand nephew. It's quite sorry. far down the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. There we go. But the uh, the 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 nephew. Sorry, the uh, Charlie has now. I'm assuming Charlie Disney uh, has come out to uh, uh, say that they're trans and they do not support the "Don't Say Gay" bill, which is uh, currently been passed mm. in Florida. And <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very very cool. That uh, you know, a member of the Disney family has come out as LGBTQA plus, especially when you think about Disney's history uh, with the LGBTQA plus community. Uh, I know that Roy P. Disney has pledged five hundred thousand dollars to the human rights campaign as well. Uh, but this this whole thing does seem to be a little bit of, at odds with what uh, Disney corporate right now uh, under current CEO Bob Chapek is actually doing. Um, I don't know how much you know about the 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 current goings on at, at Disney or the uh, don't say gay bill. Uh, as a British person, um, I'm I'm horrified by it. Essentially, the don't say gay bill is barring discussion around sexual orientation and gender identity in primary grade levels, which isn't necessarily like specific. Which I think is the point uh, mm-hmm. of of the the bill. Um, so essentially that just bars all conversations about, um, again, just anything that's LGBTQIA+, which is yeah. insane. Because they don't consider, they don't consider heterosexuality and, and those nuclear families to fall under this. It's, it's mm. really the way they're seeing it. It's the same thing that we had. Um, we had senators who would say the same thing about porn and adult materials here in the States. They said, well, I know it when I see it. And that feels like the same thing they're applying to the don't say gay bill. And it's, I don't know, mm. It, I, mm, it, there's so much to be mad about. And I will try not to be just like a yeah. rage ball about it. But yes, it, uh, this year so far for like queer rights has, has not been the best with, uh, especially mm. with Texas and, and now Florida is getting in on the action. So that's, uh, that's, that's yeah. fun. Um, how does this relate to Div- Disney? Of course, uh, Disney has been reportedly, um, they put out a statement, uh, which I probably should have gotten up to actually read. But essentially what the statement says is uh, from Bob Chapek is, is they're saying that they would not go against the bill directly, but they would continue to move in a more progressive direction through the content they produce for movies or shows. And um, that's, uh, that's, that's a bit of an odd, an odd statement to make, uh, considering that reportedly after that. Uh, Pixar um, employees and an, an, another number of Disney employees have come out to say that they've been cutting out queer content from movies and films. Anything that I, I think, where, where, is, where is the uh, quote here? Anything that, that features overtly gay affection has been cut out. So it seems to be at odds with itself, Disney, at this point. Like it, the things that they're saying do not make sense. No. I mean, I... 
it's Disney has always been in this weird place of there are so many LGBTQI plus people who gravitate to Disney, to their content, to mm-hmm. the park. They, they essentially, I mean, you know, Disney loving adults is a whole thing. People who their entire lives, all they like, all they live for is their annual trek to Disney world. They, anything that comes out, they love. And Disney is also a business that is primarily in Florida and has done nothing but donate and give money to conservative politicians. And the reason for that, the bill. Yeah. It's right. uh, The reason for that is it's less that they are, it's less that Disney is anti queer as much as Disney wants to operate in Florida without anybody looking over their shoulder. And now they're finally realizing you can't have both things. They're finally realizing that. Mm. And it's, you know, like this has been going on forever and they, they do that. They say, Oh, we love our LGBTQIA plus employees. And then everyone's like, but what about this money? Yeah. But we love you though. Is yeah. that enough? We, we so, put yeah, out, it's... you know, this pride collection every single year and, you know, a percentage of that goes to LGBTQIA Gotta get those rainbow charities. ears, you know, come on. Like <laughs> it's, it's so rough. I've never been like a big Disney person. Mm-hmm. I grew up on like, the original Disney's of like Marie Antoinette and the Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. but I've never been like I must go to Disney World and my life is over if I don't go. I've never been that person. I have like a couple Disney things, mm-hmm. but for me, it's um you know the the evil turf wizard came up the other day and when we were talking about a similar thing of ah uh, yes I can't I can't in good conscience keep supporting Disney because even if they give this small percentage to queer queer groups one month out of the year, which is the other rainbow washing of corporations every June. Um, I can't overlook that. I can't overlook the evil they do by donating to these groups mm-hmm. with the one amount they give, which is probably a pittance compared to what Disney brings in every year. It is. And yeah. And also, you know, supporting a bill that literally wants to legislate us out of being present and existing how do you how do you in good conscience still support disney at that point yeah how? true yeah. definitely I mean, very much so it's um I think from, sorry god sorry no no you got no, i think from that that's what i appreciate i appreciate the people who are unafraid on social media who are working at pixar they're working at disney they're working in these studios they're unafraid to simply say yes we tried to put this content in and they said no and mm-hmm. that's that's all they're they're not they're you know they're not naming names they're not doing anything they're simply saying we actually tried to introduce more queer content and they said no so disney disney pixar disney plus abc marvel all of it which as a big comic fan i'm like the they're acting like a regular media conglomerate they're they're doing mm-hmm. what they're going to do they're really just hoping that they can kind of win a social culture war to say no we do we do love lgbtqia plus people we you know and i even know that bob chapik's bob yeah bob chapik's first statement was we don't get involved in politics we don't get involved in divisive conversations we're not going to do that and then it wasn't even a week or two later that he reversed that and said yeah i messed that up that was that was my bad (laughs) um so they they know that's not even true though didn't they like threaten to like remove productions from georgia unless they if they if they passed like a certain anti-lgbtqa something like that 
people are pressuring them because a lot of Marvel stuff films in Georgia, like a lot of mm. the, a lot of the Marvel studios film and TV are in Georgia. And one thing we didn't mention is the don't say gay bill that was modeled in Florida is actually now going to other States in the U S so other mm-hmm. States are looking at this as a model and a template. And if anyone knows about legislation, they know that one place will invite all these senators to like, you know, an airport hotel and basically pre-write this legislation for them and give it to them to take back home. So we're going to see more states doing this. It's just Disney is one of those things where they do have, they have so mm. much power of the they dollar. Do. They could totally take a stand and like threaten they to, really could. to they really remove could. their, you know, like <laughs> parks and stuff from, from Florida or remove that business from Florida. I mean, after the, you know, the, 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 the Panini going off, you know, and with the reduced <laughs> rates of people going there. I mean, how much have they got to lose? They make a lot of money there, but they, they have so much sway in terms of saying, listen, uh, we, we won't do business here anymore unless you, you know, in, unless you make, make the, the, the right positive decision, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's, in, it's insane to me. It really does like Disney feels like it wants to have its cake and eat its too, and eat it mm-hmm. too, essentially. Um, cause they just want to placate everybody in the situation uh, because of with the aim of getting the most money in rather than doing what should be the right thing. Like, I, I feel like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that them cutting out queer content isn't necessarily like a malicious thing, that they're probably doing it to, again, make sure that they can put their stuff out in other countries, you know, um, which, again, vehemently against them doing that uh we talked about this on the podcast before how frustrating that is in general uh that they would rather you know try and make more money than actually stand by principles and uh yeah it's it's it there's no justification than for them backing up uh bigotry essentially even Mm -hmm. even if it is for money because we constantly like people have these conversations like well they need to make as much money as possible it's it's horrifying that people will justify that and then and then look over uh, putting money ahead of people's like human rights. It's like, well, th- at the end of the day, money is not the be all and end all of anything. Yes, making dollar is a thing, but I, it's unbelievable how many people have been brainwashed into thinking it's the most important thing over everything else. And for well, Disney, because- sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, because morals have long ago been washed away for capitalism mm. and. You know, I, I mean, I've I've visited where Brian lives. I've, I've been over in London before, and you know, things like seeing anti like those I can't think of the right word like spikes to homeless people can't yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. you know things like that where people are more concerned with getting the most like the richest people that can afford all these taxes don't even want to get taxed, but they will take fifty percent of my pay just because you know I'm self employed. We have. As a country, you know, and going back to the roots of this country, capitalism has always been the be all end all because whoever had the most money had the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you weren't a, like, or even in Rome, if you weren't a citizen, nobody cared about what you had to say. Mm. So the white guys that founded this country and stole Brian and I's ancestors, long as they had enough money, they could be heard. And yes, I'm going to be that person. <laughs> you let me come here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you, I'm not you, stopping you. I mean, I'm you know, not stopping you either. <laughs> Oh, I know, but uh, I can see someone go, but why are you getting into, why are you making it about race? I'm sorry. You must have never seen it's, me on Twitter. No. And I, I think that's, that's the thing is like, you know, 
no, they they're doing what every media company does, you know, and I've said this about I've said this about every company, including including Twitch. Like you are a media company, so their decisions, their decisions are going to be driven by capitalism first. Mm. And like most mm. companies, they're going to say, oh, but our diversity efforts and they're off to the side. They're not the majority of thing. And yeah, Disney's kind of stuck at this point, except at this point, as much as I want to point the finger at Disney, I really want to point the finger at everybody who is supporting Disney, everybody who can, who like they cannot give up their love for this property. And, you mm. know, Tanya mentioned the wizard school property. Same thing with that. Yeah. Um, when you talked about representation, you know, there was recently a uh, recently they changed the, they changed the film of that other property in another country. Um, and I was like, they removed apparently six seconds of footage from the film, which should tell you how much representation there was in it in the first place. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, yeah, like that is a bullshit excuse. Mm -hmm. It really is. You actually have the power. You have the money. You can be that. You can be that overwhelming force that says, no, we're going to actually do this right. But you're really just worried about all of these, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, white families who I, I just give up. They get on their Facebook groups and all of a sudden they protest shit and well, you're, you're the, scared. The crazy <laughs> thing is, like, I was looking at videos. I was looking at videos, just like talking about the situation, talking about, again, uh, Charlie coming out as a trans man. Um, who's been like privately transitioning for the last four years and, and again has now only publicly come out. But I mean looking at these videos and I look at the 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 like the the reaction to it and any but and a lot of the, the comments on there literally just jumped to oh now Disney are groomers because one of their um because uh, one of their uh you know one of the family members is trans and and go comes out against the don't say gay bill. It's there's this weird conflation, mm. and and it's it's like these are the kind of people that you're you're essentially siding with by not doing anything about this, like the kind of people mm -hmm. that for some reason think that you putting magic into your Disney films is the same thing as promoting Satanism, or. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those were a time. Yeah. Well, no, it still happens. I literally read that comment on YouTube under a video talking about it. Because, like, I clicked onto a video. I didn't realize it was like a Christian video talking about oh, the no. Don't Say Gay Bill. And I'm, I'm like, oh, well, of course, you know, I'm going to. I was like curious just to hear, well, what do they have to say about it? And they just blatantly just speak about, well, they just don't want gay people to exist. You know, they don't want to support Disney for even making efforts to put like progressive stuff into their films because they see it as an affront to God. And it's like, wow, you can't just live and let live. Can you? It's this, these are the kind of people that, that you, this, this bill is being made by and being made for just people who, who just want to erase LGBTQIA plus people from the public and make it impossible for us to live. And it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. And they can just come out and just, just say that's what they want in like in, in veiled terms, obviously. They wouldn't just say, Yeah, we want to get rid of all of them. But you for them to say, Oh, it's our belief that it's a, it's you know, it's against God, so we don't agree with it and we're gonna use that as an excuse to to stop anybody from talking about it. Yeah. The end goal is always the same. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean it, 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 you first. 
I mean, at the end of the day, they want us not to exist. And I feel like they're getting to the point where they're going to say the quiet part out loud. Mm. Somebody's going to slip and let that and just say it there because I. Oh, I know. But but I was thinking as you both were talking, that let's not forget the the overlap of people who also don't believe that think critical race theory is simply acknowledging that racism exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that teacher that lost their job who fully admitted that I don't even know what CRT is. I just taught history that America's racist and they still lost their job. Yeah. They're like, I didn't, that is something you teach at the collegiate or the law level. And critical race theory is not acknowledging racism exists, but they throw all these dog whistles out about grooming and all, you know, exactly, and yeah. I forgot Katan or judge Brown, how yes. they tried to make it out. Like she was a, a fucking pedophile. It's, and it's like, how did we get here? It, it, I, it feels like, again, it's it's these bubbles where people are like removed from reality and like only really see what they want to see. For instance, when the trans bill came out in um, uh, Texas, is it Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, it's very, very similar to this bill. Like not again, well, in terms of not allowing care and getting people to report on other people, very authoritarian, very like McCarthy era style laws being made now. And it's very worrying. Um, but the the I I've been remember putting out a post about that, and uh, and and I don't want to speak on this too much because I don't want to invite any uh, any 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 attention to me again. But I I had a friend that essentially turned into a stalker, and uh, they're also trans, but they 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 were very right wing. Uh, well, they said they're a very um. Uh, uh, what's the what's the what's the phrase that they use for middle of the aisle? What what is that term again? Centrist. Yeah, they said they're oh, a centrist, oh, but they no. they're very into like conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And I posted about it. It's like this is what you get. You like I, I you have no excuse because this is the only time I've ever acknowledged them. This is what you get when you let things slide constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they try to say, oh well, you're fine with uh with with people grooming children. Then it's like, how did That's we get new- here? That is the that is the new that's the new power phrase. That's all yeah. they have now is now they just you know and and that's why people tried and sadly queer activists going all the way back have said every single time we do this and a very large majority of queer people get very comfortable because we get some rights and mm. we get some comfort. But everyone's saying, watch every single thing they said about us. They're going to say about, they're going to say about, let's just say the next letter in LGBTQI plus, and then they're going to bring it back. So now everything that was every argument they were using to try and say, well, you know, this is why we're doing anti-trans bills. Now it's being pulled back to grooming. And now, now like, you know, gays and lesbians are being accused of the same thing. And I'm like, you need mm. to learn that we need to fight all of this collectively as a community. But yeah, it is the it is the new it's the new catchphrase. Like anybody will try, you know, um, as you mentioned, like a centrist, they will try to disarm the argument by saying, "Oh, well, they're grooming," or and, and it's like you don't actually even know what that means. You don't. Sorry, there's sirens here. Mm. You don't actually understand what that means. You've just been given a phrase, like many other people, to say this will shut down any argument because they don't have a response to that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, they don't have a response to that because it's not true. But what, what makes me so <laughs> sad with this situation in general is like just thinking of, of, of the examples of what could happen in terms of like somebody, uh, like a child 
Uh, even if they just ask their teacher, like, why does my friend Jimmy have two dads? That teacher not be even being able to like explain that situation to them. Like that curiosity right. that's there, just even explain, okay, sometimes, you know, um, there some people have mommies and daddies, some people have daddies and daddies, and other people have two mommies, and that's okay. You know, not even being able to like say that now, it's it's, it's essentially just erasure. And it brings me back to uh, Charlie, like Charlie, um, Charlie Disney said something. Mm -hmm. They're actually a teacher themselves. And they said something in particular they were talking about in the the article um, that we've got up on, on Gaming Mag. Um, they were talking about how when they were growing up, and I can definitely relate to this, when they were growing up, they didn't have any like gay or trans role models, uh, which made them feel like they were were wrong. And it does feel like they're trying to get us back to this point where we're buried and we can't even be talked about. And so people will essentially be fumbling in the dark again, not knowing who they are and just thinking the amount of pain that's going to cause should, mm. should set off so many red flags for people in general. But I think the point is that they don't care. And, and it's, yeah, sad. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess like I can't do very much being in Britain. But uh, I'm really hoping that if you are watching, you are listening to this, that you do what you can in order to make positive change in the world and like push back against these horrifying laws and bills that are now being pushed. Um, but hopefully Disney will take some actual action and make some proper moves with more of their employees speaking out uh, against it, of course. Uh, but for now, we will move on. Uh, it seems like really weird. I'm going to go into an ad read right now after all that, but let's let's lighten it up. Hey, let's do a capitalism. Let's do a capitalism. Do a capitalism. Come on, this is go. a fun LGBTQIA plus capitalism. Because did you know that the pages of Gaming Magazine are coming to life this July in New York City? That is right. You can join 6,000 of your fellow gamers with a Y at this unique convention that celebrates all things queer geekery from streamers to indie games, triple A's, cosplay, and even drag icons. There's going to be something for everyone. So head on over to gaming.live to find out more and grab your tickets for this July and join me. I'll be there at Gaming Live. It's going to be a fantastic time. And I hope whoever can make it down uh, does make it down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we did have one more story, which uh, actually neatly uh, links directly in to uh, uh, the, uh, the next part of the podcast. Right, Brian? Oh, do we? Oh, wait. What's yeah. happening this year? Is something happening this year? There, yeah, there's something happening this year. So it's something oh, my goodness. There is. Right. Um, actually, this year's Gaming Awards, uh, mm -hmm. 2022. I mean, there's a reason Tanya's been here this whole time, right? And um, Tanya has won this year's gaming icon. Yes. Um, yeah, the gaming icon is award is given to an individual that has significantly contributed to furthering the status and increasing the visibility of the LGBTQ plus community in the gaming industry. And I, that's, I mean, I've known Tanya for many years and... I've known her before the flashpoint that set her on this trajectory and I've known her after, and that is definitely something that applies to you. Um, that's, that's, that's really wonderful. You know, mm -hmm. what you're doing mm -hmm. with your nonprofit, I need diverse games. Um, the fact that you've been streaming on Twitch and that you continue to bring more content, you, you bring more content to Twitch with the game, the show that we're on rivals of Waterdeep that has 
an all PC, POC cast and has had queer stories in it from the beginning to the fact that you're now working on this new Afrofuturist TTRPG that's had two, wait, I always get this wrong, two or three seasons, two? Three. Three. I always get it wrong because I only have to record like a small part and then I just get to watch. Um, that is also like a diverse team of POC designers that again has queerness built into its core. And this is a, this is something that um, I can't, you know, if somebody were to ask me like who is deserving of this honor, there's no one I could think of other than you. So that's wonderful. Um, like, I don't know that many people. So honestly, that's, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. What? Wow. Okay. I'm gonna only, I, only I get though. to look, look, <laughs> the fact, the sad fact is I'm looking at my phone because I'm, I'm waiting for the texts that are just threats at this point. Um, but congratulations on that win, Tanya. And the gaming awards are taking place next week, uh, Monday, April 25th. Yeah, it's, it's a oh week on. <laughs> yeah, week on Monday. A week, a week on, on Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah. A week yeah. ago, it is taking place. Um, yeah, it'd be very soon for if you're the audio listener, listen to this. It's, uh, it's literally going to be next week. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. What, what, uh, how did you feel when you found out you, you're, you're, you won gaming icon uh shocked mm. also i don't know if robin told you this but i was actually streaming elden ring oh really when i got the dm about it robin did not and tell I had me to that. catch myself because i was i was in the living room i was streaming elden ring and then i i saw the friend request and i thought it was about something else related to the gaming awards mm. i'm like oh sure why wasn't i not discord friends with robin already and then i paused and i said hold on important dm gotta look at it and i had to catch myself because i almost blurted it out because i was live because it was shock uh-huh and then i was like uh i'm live and let me know when you're free because of our time difference at that mm. point it was seven hours i was like you know as soon as i'm wrapping stream i'll message you and i'm just sitting there like really important dm i have to come back to it later let's go play elden ring and i just sit there i was on console so no luckily no one could see me because mm. brian knows i have no poker face <laughs> <laughs> and this continued the trend of getting really important awesome news while live mm -hmm. Because the documentary made about me, I got the call. I had literally gone live, and two minutes into that, I got a call going, hey, are you free? And I'm like, uh, sort of. <laughs> and so I wandered off to another room in the apartment, and, and then I had to come back and act like everything was totally normal. Because, of course, people are like, what do you mean? Is everything okay? You got a phone call. Like, it's fine. It was just something I couldn't let wait until after stream. And then for six months, I had to sit there and not say a word about this movie. Mm. <laughs> and I sit on this for about a month. That's uh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yo. Uh, so we're actually going to be jumping into an interview with you shortly. Um, are you you're you're going to be coming out right to the to the gaming awards? Yep. Yeah, yep. I arrive Saturday, Saturday. Absolutely fantastic. Oh my before we jump in to those questions, uh, it's a great time to remind everybody that tickets are still available for the Gaming Awards in London. Uh, it's going to be this April 25th, as we mentioned, and we'd love for you to join us in celebrating the best of the LGBTQIA plus gaming space. Uh, you can grab your tickets now at bit.ly forward slash gaming with a Y, G-A-Y-M-I-N-N-G, uh, awards, T-I-X, gaming awards ticks. It's a very interesting um, URL there. But we absolutely look forward to seeing anybody who comes. Right, Tanya, 
it is time for your spotlight. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, you've been part of the gaming sphere for so long at this point. Um, you're a beloved streamer in your own right, uh, but also, of course, head up the nonprofit organization, I Need Diverse Games. Um, now, I know that it's all essentially stemmed from uh, Ubisoft uh, talking about their difficulties uh, let's say, uh, <laughs> animating female assassins in Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, in your own words, I'd love to know how uh, I Need Diverse Games came about. And can you tell everybody listening more about the organization's mission statement and what it is that you do? Oh, boy. Um, that is a I lot. look at that mission statement because <laughs> we haven't done anything because of the panini. Mm. Let me find that mission statement. <laughs> Well, um, a generalized version is fine. You, but how do this, it, you uh, don't have it written on your hand all the time. Like I just write no, it. It's not tattooed down no, there, is it? No. No. Okay, fair enough. No. <laughs> um, well, how, did it, how did it come about? Let's start. Let's start there. So, in t- earlier in 2014, I'd gone to GDC with a friend that wanted to get in the industry, mm-hmm. and you know, I met some people who later became friends who make games. I met Monver Air, who was still working in Bioware at the time. Met a bunch of people, and you know, a lot of the games. And also, I followed E3. I hadn't gone at that point. And then later that year, because I think it was October 4th or 5th, I'd have to find it. Um, we started seeing news of games that were coming out like for the holidays. And it was the same like scruffy white dude that got the girl, saved the universe. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Y'all can't do better than this. And, you know, there were no people of color. There were no women protagonists. Definitely no one who looks like me mm-hmm. or, you know, or like Brian or like you. And it was just like... I'm sick of this. I need diverse games. And I threw that on some tweets and uh, shout out to my friend, Mickey Kendall Carnethia on Twitter. She has always had a higher profile than me on Twitter. And she tweeted it out both to get people seeing it, but also I appreciate her for this forever to make sure people knew I started the hashtag. <laughs> and she, she was like, don't get it twisted. This is where this came from. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the right, the right people saw it. It was very lightning in a bottle moment. And unfortunately, that other evil thing was going on in gaming at the same time. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. But that had <laughs> nothing GG. to do with my. T- yeah, mm. that had nothing to do with my tweets. I did not care that they existed. I just knew that they were like the dark side of gaming even more than usual. And um, it it was like lightning in a bottle, right time, right moment. People picked it up. They wanted to have the diversity conversation. And I had that little conflation of oh, well, you're fighting against GG. I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck if they exist. Um, I mean, I would care later because they harassed me almost off the platform. Yeah. Um, and just, I'm ornery. Uh, again, Brian has known me a real long time. I'm in Aries. I'm very ornery. <laughs> and the minute you tell me I can't do something or I don't belong, <laughs> I'm going to dig in as much as I can and I'm not going anywhere. Um, and so from there, it just you know, kept snowballing. People use a tag. It trended. Um, and it started on my personal account. So eventually got its own Twitter, its own Tumblr, its own grown up site. And then um, the not fun part of the story that I don't know how many people know this. I actually lost my day job. I was, I came back from Gamer X3, came back, got fired the day I came back and went back home and said, you know what? Everything's been pointing toward me trying this to be a full-time gig. I'm going to try it. And I mm-hmm. gave myself till unemployment ran out and people were like, no, no, this is important. We want you to continue doing it. And then I had no day job to shackle me. So 
my Patreon got to the point where I could pay my bills. I did consulting, I did streaming. And and then about a year later, the, the, non for, the non-profit was born. And then it became a not-for-profit because running a nonprofit during a pandemic is a lot. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of the people on the board, either they were, we're all trying to survive right now. And there's nowhere to go, really. Mm. I know PAX is happening and we were invited to this year's PAX East. I didn't feel that comfort even before I knew about the award. And I didn't feel comfortable asking people to go. So our mission basically is to get people access, is to help people of color, queer folks, you know, also that word intersectionality, because look at us, we're queer and POC. Um, help people get in the industry because the biggest issue is access. Uh, for those that don't know, going to the Game Developers Conference, if you want to just buy a badge, it's $2,000 US mm-hmm. just for the full week. That is a That's lot. not counting your flight, your hotel, eating out six days while you're there. And if you have to eat near the convention center, that is your whole budget. And even if you share a hostel, you're easily looking at five to $6,000 for a week of professional development. Mm. Um, so at the very least, we can give people badges to the, to GDC. Um, we try to monetarily support folks. We did a thing. We gave out micro grants just recently because people have been super kind and not canceling their Patreon. And so also the IRS does not come and take all our money. We're like, here, please take money. Mm-hmm. Please take money. Yeah. Uh, we gave out grants to streamers. And so basically just trying to get people in the industry and give them access to the resources they don't have. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, yeah. In terms of, uh, Brian, you had a, a question uh, to follow yeah, up on that? No, I think, um, you know, it's how, I guess, since you've entered this space, how would you say gaming has changed? And this is a tough one how much more work needs to be done in terms of creating truly diverse experiences? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, though, the con, you know, when we all have day jobs and we see the, the image of the glacier. Mm. <laughs> yes. The, the top of the glacier above the waters, how much work has, is, has been done mm-hmm. and how much has shifted the whole glacier and another one, two kilometers behind it. <laughs> wow. And another one, five kilometers. Well, because I'm looking at each glacier is an intersection of identity because we know there's some games that are great with LGBT content, mm-hmm. but they fail horribly when it comes to people of color or they might give you one disabled character, but that character dies or they hate their life because they're disabled. So all the intersections of inclusion, mm-hmm. there's an iceberg per intersection um i mean it's gotten better i've i've a lot of the projects i'm on studios are coming to me or or getting recommendations and you're at day zero of development versus a game where they were ready to go to certification which is like the last step before they sell the game to go hey can you look at our game and i'm like what do you want me to do with this yeah i can't i'm not giving you the you're not a racist stamp on a game that's ready to go out the door Mm -hmm. um there's still way more work to go. Cause I mean, look at the way people reacted to battlefield one when we had actually historically accurate black soldiers on the cover. Yeah. And is, that the way also, people reacted. is that also the game with the, uh, the disabled uh, soldier in there as well with the prosthetic? Maybe. Okay. I, know I didn't they, get very far in it. I think they, they threw a fuss over that in, in terms of um, I, it, may, it may have been that one, maybe di- a different one, but I believe they, they also threw a fuss over that. I think if that's like the world war one game or world war two game, then that would be the same game. Yeah. But they, yeah, yeah. People just pushing back against this stuff is, is 
yeah it's uh it's, I mean, it's always now i mean even now the halo show on paramount you're like but master chief and a woman is just like do you not know any women in the military at all right you know like i mean even if that wasn't the case like it's a fantasy universe even about fantasy universes people will get upset about it it's which is ridiculous there's yeah people i i don't understand where people can deal in universes where magic or science fiction technology that is to the point of magic exists and yet everything else is a problem for them any kind of representation Mm -hmm. is suddenly a problem for them and it's just like do you understand this is fantasy? The mm. point of it is that you can do and be whatever and whoever you want. Uh, a lot of times yeah. it, it does seem like uh, it's it's just, it's really show, them showing their whole ass and showing their intention. <laughs> you know, like they're just not True. comfortable with any, like uh, we talked about Turning Red on the podcast recently and how much like weird pushback there was against that film just because it was set in a different time and 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 the subject matter was was different to something that they'd usually watch like they can get on uh, with like something like Lord of the Rings where they're going away to a a fantasy world where there's you know there's there's monsters and and wizards and things but they can't relate to a real life human being who is you know a, a teen who's who's you know going through the adolescence growing up it's again again they're just them showing their their uh true intentions so true yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i will say just to, to follow up from what you're saying the only thing i'm thankful for now is that we don't have the same balding uh not balding sorry shaved head white guy on the cover of every single game because i know for, yep. for a while back then it was just again like you're saying it's the same person yeah. over and over again yep. every, every every scruffy white guy protagonist with the same gravelly voice mm-hmm. all the time and it was mm-hmm. like how 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 many times they're going to get the same voice actor and the same concept artist to do these covers? Like, yeah. same white guy, slightly different face. That's uh, I'm 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 glad we've moved on. We haven't we definitely haven't moved far enough yet, though. And like you said, no. there's so much work to be done. Um, and, I, and it's just fun to think about the glaciers, honestly. Um, <laughs> uh, hold, please. I just found you an image. Oh, oh, really? And oh. I use this. Oh, and I use this in. Into- oh, that's a big old link. Hold on. That, that's that's, okay. I'm sorry right now for the link. Oh, wait, I will, hold on. That's, I will try oh. and get that up on screen. <laughs> oh, no, wait. That's a, that's a big old link. But sorry. just for the, uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I think it might have cut it off actually. Uh, for the, for the uh, audio listeners, when we can get it up, um, you can talk us. Oh, my that. God. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can get it up. Um, wow. I'm not no, sure. Not that kind of podcast. Hold on. Well, I uh, mean, not on Twitch anyway. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, no. there's a better link that go. has that image. Wonderful. Let's see if I can't. Oh my god! You let me come here. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, yes. the collage. The collage. I see. Of, Just let me get of, this uh, up for you. So, yeah. for our audio listeners, uh, why don't you maybe tell them what we're we're looking at here? It's a lovely, lovely collage. And I know that this is an assembled, this is an assembled collage of protagonists from video games over time. And what we're honestly looking at is a collage of white men. Some of them may be shaven head. Most of them are grizzly, beardy, but it's just a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. It's yeah. just a bunch of white dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Literally uh, approving the hashtag right there, uh, and why? Yeah. Well, technically, Ezio's not white. I was going to say I they're. 
you know, there are, I would say white and white passing um, men in here, but the fact is it is 100% men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like just, it, that's the thing at the time if anybody was questioning like why does i i need diverse games need to be a thing you just send in this image and be like mm, really yeah. really uh, you know it's it, it's a staple in all, a lot of my early talks and when i spoke at ubisoft because i got a chance to speak at ubisoft and i was like ah. so you know this is all your fault right mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i get that completely You're- that's awesome uh, now, moving on from I, dive, um, I Need Diverse Games uh, for a second then. You also, of course, are a streamer. You you stream your own content, uh, whether, you know, it's it's playing games uh, or I know you play. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Hmm. Uh, I know you uh, uh, play a lot of the Assassin's Creed series. Uh, you play um, a lot of fantasy games. Um, and you also collab with other creators on shows like Rivals of Waterdeep. Uh, what is your favorite kind of content to actually create? Like what brings you joy? What is the most fun for you? So it's a toss up between tabletop um, and then doing things like mini painting. Ah. And uh, I don't know, DJ Knight's still lurking, but this is all his fault. I've gotten <laughs> back into 3D printing um, because there's now a printer that self levels. And if not for that, I wouldn't touch a 3D printer ever again. Um, but something I, I like switching between creative stuff and sometimes just sitting and, and chatting. Although sometimes with that, I'm like, I'm up early. Let, I'm just going to get on stream and talk. And weirdly, those are like the streams that seem to get the most people and the most engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm here with coffee and I'm mad about something I saw on Twitter, <laughs> but let's go. <laughs> so, mm. um, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I will I will say, like, I've heard it multiple times from from different creators as well um it's uh it's the most engaging uh people like whenever how to best do i put this when audiences and i, I know there's a lot of frustration in, in this as well um um audiences seem to interact with again um uh i'm trying to think of the phrase um issues that affect people of color uh, more mm-hmm. so than anything else. And that can be quite frustrating for uh, creators. Um, do, you, do you find that, do you, do you, do you also see that happening in, in your spaces? Um, people not knowing how to interact with issues that affect people of color? In terms of like oh. it generating the most interest from from the community. Uh, hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and Brian, and I know a couple people in the chat can, well, remember this June of 2020, and a content warning, I'm going to talk about murder by police in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, when they killed George Floyd. And that seemed to be this turning point of people finally realizing we weren't just saying that police are killing us. Mm-hmm. That they finally seem to realize Black Lives Matter isn't saying white lives don't matter and no one else's lives matter. It's there is video. You have seen this video and for that brief month, everybody suddenly realized black creators were on Twitch. And, you know, whenever we talk about, oh, someone did a racism in our chat, somebody came in and called me fill in the blank slur. Those tweets, those clips always get the most engagement. And people also, and, and we've seen uh, Pleasantly Twisted talk about this, where people come in and like they want to see you drag people for filth. They want to see you get angry and when someone comes in and do a racism they want to be entertained by our anger and our hurt but they're not there in those moments of joy because i can tell you the engagement over the award announcement 
is still not as high as the engagement over when I had a stalker on Twitch, mm. when people come in and call me slurs or what have you. Um, and that's the part where when we try to explain it, oh, just ignore it, just block them. Spoiler, we block people all the time. Someone's determined to harass and stalk you, as unfortunately all of us know, they're going to go out of their way to do it. Yeah. And people, people want the trauma porn over us as people. Yes. They don't want to see us as humans. Um, and when you say, hey, I'm a real person, uh, I know Milady Confetti just tweeted about this too, where it's like all these wins I'm getting, those tweets get no engagement. Mm. Where's your joy for the things I'm doing that are really cool? But if I tweet and say somebody called me an N-word or they said my cosplay sucks because I'm black, y'all will be all over that. Yeah, it's uh, it, like I said, like it, it must be incredibly frustrating, and um, it's 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 weird as well in the sense that, and again, I don't want to focus on this for too long, but there's definitely more that that again. Oh no, we can focus on it because <laughs> well, I, 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 I mean, Brian also has experience. I mean, yes. We're prepared. We're we're mm-hmm. prepared. But I, yeah, I definitely are, feel like. Other- I definitely feel like there's more like platforms can do as well in in actions that they're not taking in in order like because I do uh, remember that in in 2020 they had like a month of showing black creators and then all of a sudden they they forgot about black creators again which is very very frustrating I mean you saw this mm-hmm. past Black History Month um, where they did the enormous <sighs> screw up as well with um, the in terms of the uh, the lower sec the section that should have been highlighting uh, people of color being hidden from view because uh, it was so far down the page when people click onto Twitch. Um, so there's, there's so much more that these organizations uh, can actually do and, and so much more work that, that needs to be done. I'm, I'm assuming that you, you feel the same way. Oh, yeah, but I, I want to give Brian a chance to talk to you. Otherwise, because I won't oh, no. go. <laughs> first off, first off, you're the guest here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just a co-host. But no, I absolutely agree. And it's it's very obvious that there are, there's still a lot to do better. There's still a lot to overcome. And, you know, if we talk about Twitch as, as a media production company, they still have a lot to overcome. And it almost harkens back to our conversation about Disney. They're almost working under the same like specter of capitalism. They're doing what they feel is appealing to the best audiences. And then only when it is, it can be a feather in their cap to appeal to diverse creators and the audiences they bring in, they'll do so, but they'll only do so for about 30 days. Mm. And then, you know, it was like, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a humorous thing in that 2020, like we'd already had February in 2020, which is in the, in the United States is black history month. But all of a sudden in the summer of 2020, Twitch once again had to realize, Oh shoot, black people exist. We got to platform them because things are happening in the world. And, and then that's it. And as you also, you also pointed out this past black history month, this, this past women's history month, Twitch is not learning the lesson that they need to do to, I'm not going to say they're on, they're going to diversify their platform with the push of a button. Mm. But the fact is they have a choice in what they show the majority of visitors to the site. And they are trying to shirk that responsibility and absolve themselves by you know, putting in the algorithm, but it's, it's really on them. If, if you want these other voices and these other ideas to thrive, you can push one button and put them at the top of every page, mm. every page. Definitely. Yeah. 
Definitely. And, you know, and let's not forget that in Black History Month, they had that shelf and put way to my thought, they put way too many of us on it. There was no equitable way for people to get equal screen time. They have over like the number of people that they were. That was a ridiculous large number that they were trying to do. And that number in itself, there was no way to highlight anyone because it was, it was almost like there are too many here. And that would have, that would have, that would have benefited from a curated touch. Yeah. I think. And I'm sure a lot of people do think that. Um, And it was just, it was over, it was information overload. Um, And you know, I hate to say it, but most of the communities that are already run by streamers and creators who are people of color, like we have the people that we know that we go to and that we ourselves cross promote. So we were already doing that. So I would love for Twitch to do better. And I know there's even a hashtag out there that keeps coming up about Twitch do better. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one place where they can absolutely improve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just to add on to that, like um, I was featured uh, during Women's History Month on the, the, that same shelf let's say mm-hmm. um i thought it was so weird because they, they had us put these these like um strict moderation things in place which actually made it i'm not sure if it was the same for for black history month mm-hmm. but yeah there is a strict moderation stuff in place which while helpful in getting rid of like trolls and stuff like that um it seemed to be antithetical to actually like trying to engage with the people who are watching or like the communities or the new people that you'd be able to bring in um yep. which which uh again it's 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 twitch being twitch i guess you know, just <laughs> not wanting to take the responsibility of actually making their platform clear of harassment so yeah and the best they can do is, is say put all the settings to the top and, and destroy your engagement uh but anyway speaking of twitch uh rivals of Waterdeep, you you had your finale today of uh, season 12 was it yep. so many nice. seasons so many seasons that's amazing um this is every sunday and uh you can actually catch it before this podcast i believe it's at 12 p.m cst if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. yeah uh could you give us a rundown of um of what the 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 show is and what's it what makes it so different from from typical D &D shows Ooh, I should put Brian on the spot for this one. Don't you do. <laughs> uh, Rivals actually came about, um, you know, shout out to, to Greg Tito. He he and I have been interacting for a long time. I was on Dragon Talk, which is the official D&D podcast. And then he reached out and said, hey, with this, this fifth edition out, we want to start a, a show, an actual play to show anyone can learn to play D&D. Do you know some people? And it was just Providence that we all wound up being people of color. Because, you know, there was still at that time, there still is a pushback that we don't play D&D, despite our show being on for 12 12 seasons. Mm. And and we started off with the book about Dragon Heist and Mert the Moneylender. We premiered June 1st, 2018 at the D&D event. And we've just kind of homebrewed ever since then. You know, we've taken kind of bits and pieces of each new book that have come out. And then we've just run with it in the last couple of seasons. It's been kind of almost going back to where we started with a lot of our adventures being in Waterdeep. And each, the, the one thing that's unique is we switch DMs every season. We don't, we have not had the same DM every um, season. And uh, Brian and Eugenio Vargas co-DM season 11. And it was Brian's first time DMing. And it was, it was interesting because we finished at PAX Unplugged. So basically, we have our own ridiculous adventures in a very <laughs> homebrew version of Faerun. Mm-hmm. 
It's uh, like I was, uh, I dropped in earlier today. And uh, again, the rapport that you all have with each other and like just bouncing off each other and making jokes. Uh, it's, it's incredibly, I don't necessarily want to overuse the term wholesome, but um, I was, I was, I was um, very put at ease during, during my time there. And uh, I, I missed the end of it, unfortunately, but I hope you dealt with those doppelgangers. Uh, I won't tell now. you, I won't tell you how, no, I won't tell you how it ended because I really do want people to go. Yes, and definitely go watch rewatch the video or listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Brian, did you have another um, question? But yeah, um, you know, we're, we talked about Rivals of Waterdeep and how, and I feel like our answers may be similar on this, but how did you get started with D&D? And do you have uh, any memorable moments that you'd like to share from your adventures from start of, you know, around the table with a big red book or even up to um, you're on, you know, you're on Rivals of Waterdeep, you're on Black Knight Society, anything. Do you have anything you'd love to share that's like super memorable? Ooh, there's so many things. Um, also, started, how, how'd you get started? Yeah, start with that. Uh, the Big Red Book, I, I am a survivor. I shouldn't say that. Scratch that. I, I have gone through the satanic panic. Yep. Um, you know, I, I had the, this is Satan, this is devil worship, dealing with that. And I even bought the shirt from, uh, oh God, what is it? I forget the name of the shop, but I bought the, I, I, I'm a, I forget what the wording is. But basically, I got through the satanic panic mm-hmm. of the 80s. And um you know, I, I talked about this uh, in the Guardian interview about I always love to read. I love games, but TTRPGs and D&D, it's just wide open. You can do whatever you want. And so my overactive imagination had somewhere to go with D&D um, <laughs> and the familiar that the just wandered off. Um, <laughs> sorry, my cat just woke up. He's being an absolute dick right now, so I apologize oh. in advance. It, it, I, I, I'm just hoping he won't start screaming into the mic. Uh, for the audio listeners, That's if, okay. you, if you hear a, a cat screaming, it's because I forgot to mute myself. So, sorry, continue. That's okay. I'm just like, look, a familiar has appeared. Um, and, you know, I went, I played through 3.5. I was actually in a three-year-long actual campaign of 3.5. I went over to a friend's place, had a character die, played with another character, got to level 22. Wow. Um, yeah, we played from 1 to 22. We were gods by the time That's it was amazing. Um, and then I fell off because as D&D grew in popularity and it kind of got out of the, you know, you're playing in mom's basement. This isn't something the cool kids do. Um, I saw less and less people who look like me, look like Brian, playing that weren't welcomed. And so I kind of stepped away from it. And then actually, uh, Greg Tito, when he had me on Dragon Talk, he was like, well, you know, 3.5 has changed a lot of stuff, or 5.0 has changed stuff. And when he showed me the book and showed me the iconic human was a brown-skinned Black woman in proper armor as the paladin of all classes. I was like, sold. I'm coming back. Um, <laughs> uh, and it may actually, when seeing the character, made me think of uh, N.K. Jemison because she's had up and down experiences trying to play D&D. But the character reminded me of her, what she looks like. And uh, I was like, sold. I'm in. And Greg sent me all the D&D stuff. And then six months later, he's like, hey, you want to be on a show? Want to bring your friends? And that's where Arrival started from June 1, 2018. Um, and memorable things. There's so many memorable things. Um, one is actually from a recent episode when 
real Celise comes back and that emotional moment mm. of realizing her friends were fooled by this doppelganger and that hurt and anger, especially with a uh, Shreve's character who he and I are the only ones from the very beginning left on the show. Mm. So that kind of history of, wow, you didn't know it was me. Thanks. Cool. I do kind of like how over time and it's come up in the, in the seasons that I've been on the show, but it's also come up in previous is that Celise and Shaka do have this, they do have these moments of like, how do you not know me yet? And how do you not know me? Like, and I love the fact that that played out when, um, yes, sorry, spoiler, if you're not caught up on rivals, but if you're not caught up on rivals, I don't want to talk to you. Um, when we found out that the Solis that we had been adventuring with had been replaced by a duplicate. And that was, you know, that is some of the core emotional moments of rivals, which I, I love. Um, and it's just kind of cool that one of your memorable moments was from rivals. Although I know you've had many others <laughs> and you've done a lot, you've done a lot of actual play shows. You've done a lot of stream games. Yeah. I was trying to think of one from black dice. Um, <laughs> And it wasn't it wasn't directly with my character, but uh, so season one spoiler for Black Dice, but but Black Dice Society is a Ravenloft campaign I'm on on Thursday nights and it's horror. Uh, B. Dave Walters is our DM, and DJ Knight, who was in chat earlier, is on the show. And his character, we spent a good part of that season carrying around the ghost of the woman he really loved, who married his brother, but then she got killed on their wedding night. And there had always been this undercurrent of did he kill her because he's a lycanthrope. And when he has this horrible revelation of not just whether he killed her or not, but the thing that she does, I don't want to spoil too much. Having this moment with my good friend where his character is just so emotionally wrecked and being able to have that quiet interlude of this is my real life friend and I'm actually concerned because this is a really hard emotional moment, but our characters are close friends. You know, my character had to leave home. She's got this whole backstory about being a drow and to have that connection in that moment. And I think I may have cried a little bit during that scene. So are you okay, Brian? No, I'm trying not to laugh because Mia's cat is absolutely being a dick right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the disconnect, sorry, between the, the conversation that we're having and me dealing with this little brat. No, that's okay, because I saw Brian struggling so hard. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. No, no, no. It's fine, because, but that's the kind of stuff that happens on Rivals, because mm. I missed an episode. I forget where I was. I missed an episode and I came back and apparently it was if the carriage is rocking, don't come and knock. And I was like, what are y'all up to? I leave for one week and y'all out here banging everything. Mm. Wait, was that, was that there for that? That was something else. Oh yeah. Wait, no. So no, Desmond, Tatiana oh. and Rose. Oh, BDS. Yeah. Sorry. Black yes. guy society. Cause you say BDS and that's a whole other thing. Um, There's no M just black correct. guy society. Yes. Mm. Um, um, yeah. But I was gone a week and I'm like, because everybody's like, oh my God, you watch, you watch it. And I watched it. I'm like, how did we get here? And then B Dave, because he's B Dave said, oh, every time you've either not been here or not been around, I very intentionally made this character not be around your character. Oh, because we found out later she was the one I'd been looking for all this time. 
Mm. I like when DMs are able to do that in uh, in campaigns. That's that's lovely. I, I will say, yeah. um, it's it's quite refreshing to to hear that you like with these certain stories because my D and D knowledge is very limited and my experience is very limited. I've I've done like two one shots. One was an introductionary my little thing, uh, little adventure to try and get me into it. And I really haven't played anything else. So the idea that you can go on these adventures, but also have these really affecting moments for characters too, is is yeah. is so appealing. And especially, and I know, I think when you were doing the recap earlier today, um, you talked about potentially like content war- warnings for, for this character um, and, and their feelings about being replaced. And, and, you know, that's okay to, to have those feelings too. And it's just, it's just really nice to see that in like a, in, in that setting and say, dealing with these things that, that don't often get talked about even in, in media all that much. So it's, uh, yeah. it's great to see that. Um, yeah. And I'm going to sneak one more in that involves Brian. Uh-oh. I gotta go. Don't uh-oh me. No, you can't. You can't make <laughs> a fan down. Uh, so when, when Brian, um, when Brian and Henny were co-DMing, my character had a crisis of faith because in the previous season, she got the revenge she wanted, but it wasn't what she wanted. Mm. She got it in not the best way. And so it was in reality, it was me wanting to get rid of blood hunter and do something else. Cause I wasn't able to really use blood hunter effectively along with the paladin. And so we had this scene where my paladin is a paladin of tear and part of getting her ranger abilities was also coming back to Tyr. And the scene Brian and I had where he spoke as Tyr and came to my character initially as a child to see how she'd react. One, it was really moving and heartbreaking. But two, after we were done, he was like, oh, I didn't plan any of that. I'm like, what? And he still was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, here's the clip. We planned the outline. Like, I knew that we wanted to do a thing. But I didn't know how it would go. And it was one of those moments. And that's what I love about actual play is that a lot of it is improv. You are able to improv, but you are supported by this rule system and this setting system. So we were able to go through and do that. And I'm I'm really glad that that resonated first off with Tanya, because I was just happy to be asked to be on the show, period. And it was it was nice that it resonated with our viewers. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so many moments and, and definitely worth catching. When will uh, Rivals of Waterdeep, uh, Waterdeep be back, actually? Uh, oh, shoot. May 29th. Oh, there it is. I was going to look May at the calendar. 29th. I forgot. Yeah. That's, that's okay. I've got a handy tweet <laughs> as soon as I can grab it. Awesome. Um, so I know that you're also taking that love of tabletop uh, role-playing into your own TTRPG uh, with Into the Motherlands. Uh, this started mm-hmm. as a stream on your channel, obviously, and you said it was in its uh, third season. You've done three seasons of it now? or, or We've done three seasons. Three seasons um, the book is still, you know, obviously we're chugging along. Because mm-hmm. for anyone who thinks, oh, I could just do D&D, but better, I dare you to try. Mm-hmm. We've got a team of over 20 people. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Into the Motherlands is also, it's now full uh, RPG book. Uh, the Kickstarter was fully funded within 90 minutes, which is uh, amazing, and uh, raised an incredible $360,000 with a goal of just, I think it was 50K. That was your initial mm-hmm. goal. 
first no. off and an overdue congratulations. And um, uh, can you tell everybody more about that project and um, what the future has in store for Into the, the Motherland? Um, so what what happened? It all comes back to Twitch, weirdly <laughs> enough. Um, I was talking to Twitch and pitching some ideas and going back and forth on three ideas I had. And they're like, well, you know, there's plenty of D&D. You can throw a stick and hit fantasy they were iffy on the Star Trek RPG, even though it's licensed. And then I was trying to do something with the I Need Diverse Games because we have a Twitch channel too. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, that's a separate combo. And so we went back and forth and finally like, why don't you just tell your own story? And I was like, what? I'm sorry, who? <laughs> um, and they're like, yeah, you know, what is, what's the story that you want to see? You know, and I grew up on Star Trek. I grew up mm-hmm. on Star Wars. And I was like, sci-fi. And they're like, okay, come back to us with the budget and how you do this, and we'll give you parameters and we'll see if we can make it work. Sat down with B. Dave Walters. We got a calendar. Then we got a calendar. We're like, oh, oh, we need to start. We should have been working like a week ago. Um, and we figured out what we want our basic story to be. We we figured out the budget. Reached out to some folks. Figured out who was going to be on screen talent. He was going to help write. Uh, that bronze girl wrote our first. Um, adventure in season one and we can kind of continue it in season two and as people were getting into the show and things like that it's like we could make this into a book Mm. sure we could do that and so in the middle of season two we launched kickstarter and it funded 90 minutes and then i just like laid on my bed and cried because that's not (laughs) what i expected at all i really well because it's an all poc team so i'm like we're going to struggle to fund. I was fully convinced we're going to struggle to fund. And then it was like, uh, okay. So this is happening for really real. Um, okay. And then um, as as things kept happening, we, we just started fleshing out what was already into, um, into the show and fleshing that stuff out. So we kind of did a little of we're we're getting ready for season three, but we're also getting ready to put this book out. Uh, we're in the middle of talking to a publisher. Knock on wood, I may have an answer before I leave for London. Um, and we actually just put out an update where um, we showed a very early draft version of the book. And it looks like a real book. And that did make me cry when Paladin it's got it to me. So amazing. Um, I can actually grab it that looks link. very good really, really and, good. you know and shout out to HTG, http paladin who did that in about two days i would be entirely lost if i tried to format anything um da, 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 da. here is an actual just link oh no that's not a link <laughs> i'm smart i thought i thought what i put in the discord was a direct link so, because um, funny story, Kickstarter doesn't easily let you upload images or make things from a PDF to an image. No, and I will say that as a as a backer, although I guess I'm on both, I guess I'm on both sides. I'm a backer, but I'm also on the development team. The updates on Kickstarter, in my opinion, have been very assuring and reassuring that the project is moving forward and that there is progress being made and I had, I didn't have the exact emotional reaction to you when I saw the work in progress pages, but it was very much like 
this looks like a thing that is going to happen. And I know that a lot of projects, whether they are POC led or not, have to deal with that. They have to deal with that test from other people. Like, is this really going to happen? Are you really going to do the thing? And motherlands as like, you know, there were, um, if you're a backer, you gotta, you, if you're a backer and you're in the discord, you basically saw a roughly 10 page work in progress release to show this is what you're going to get. And I just loved that. I loved seeing that. So it was, it was very reassuring. And yeah, to, to think that this thing is really happening and, and that is wonderful. I think it's absolutely yeah. amazing. I've never seen something quite like, obviously, you know, in terms of of, of tabletop RPGs, I, I don't really, I'm not even really into them. But the the whole idea that that you've carved out this universe, uh, the, which I believe that the the term is that uh, Afrofuturism would that be the term that you would? So Af- it's, yeah. it's Afrofuturist, mm-hmm. and the the conceit is that there is no history of colonization mm-hmm. or slavery, and it's interesting when we post about it. You know, aside from the obnoxious, I might, can I play this? And my answer is going to be like, if you got $60, yes. Um, <laughs> you can absolutely play this game if you got $60 plus shipping. Um, but the other is that people go, well, Mansa Musa, I'm like, Mansa Musa lived before the Middle Passage. Please come again. I'm not the best history student, but I at least looked this up before we based a game on mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, so it's just... It's just wild, like, and that is one of the things that will probably make me burst in tears, if not now, then later, mm-hmm. um, that this idea that I came up with, and now we've got this whole team of amazing, talented people making this into a real live book. It's not D&D. We're making our own system, and it's a world that we created, and it's because the way B. Dave puts it, and, you know, we start talking about it, is we want to make the game our 10 or 15-year-old selves would have loved to see. Because I didn't see a black person D and D till six years ago, so you know I want someone to be able to pick up this book and go, "Look, these characters look like me," yeah. or you know, not do the excuse of, "Oh, well, it's sci-fi, but lol, no brown people." Oh no, we all black folks. Just just suck it up. And I'll admit the you know growing up we had fantasy as D and D and. Honestly, D&D, I will say, at the time that we were kids, was the most accessible fantasy tabletop setting that we had. All of the sci-fi settings at that point were horribly crunchy and complicated mm. and complex. And yes, if I had had something like Into the Motherlands when I was a kid, I would have been all over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, for those that missed the Kickstarter, where can they, they pick up a copy now? Can they, can they still pick up copies at this point? Can they still pre-order or...? Uh, no, they can't pre-order. And the, the not fun part of that is until shipping costs are finalized, mm-hmm. um, because backer kit actually won't let you put up a pre-order store without putting in shipping. And I'd rather not underestimate and lose whatever margin we have right now. Mm-hmm. Cause guess what? Things come up that cost a lot of money that you don't think about when you're making a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, or overcharge and lose goodwill with people because we way overcharge them for a book. Okay. So once we sign with a publisher, knock on what it'll be this week, and we find out, you know, once they know, if the book's 300 pages, we're going to charge X and we know we can ship. Because if we get the publisher we want, we could actually be in places like, oh, Waterstones. Mia, you could walk into Damn, Waterstones. And get that'd be book. epic. Oh you know, my I'll be, gosh. I'll, be there. I'll totally, I'm, I'll pick up a copy from Waterstones. That'd be absolutely 100%. epic. 
Yeah. So, so that's, that's the not great part of kind of waiting on a publisher. And again, we're, I know the meeting and this little inside baseball for you all, the meeting to determine whether or not it's yes, no for this publisher, I think is Tuesday. Mm. So. Oh yeah. Now uh, with our next question, it's actually from uh, Awkwardish Panda, uh, who was our guest oh, last no. week, but Brian here has that oh. for you. Yes. Oh, no. So she asks, um, Cypher, you've been named this year's gaming icon because of all the hard work you've put in bringing, cha- bringing about changes, bettering both the gaming and streaming spaces. If you had to pick the one accomplishment that you are most proud of and that has brought you the most joy, what would it be? Because you've, you've done so much, whether it's the work with I Need Diverse Games, speaking at events, charity fundraising, being nominated for a Hugo Award. Uh, what are some key moments that stick out for you? Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> There's a lot. That I, I'm, sorry, I know it, I I'm not going to brag, but like the last the last time, like actually, no, the first time I really got to spend a lot of time with Tanya, she was actually in Washington, D.C., giving a keynote at the Smithsonian Museum uh, because they were doing an art of video games exhibit. So I'm just going to yeah. say, like... <laughs> all, of, all of you are, are not without sin. Um, so, well, definitely speaking at the museum, speaking at the Smithsonian Arts, the Sam Arcades, the Smithsonian American Art Museum mm-hmm. Game Festival. I got to give a keynote. I know it's online. Wow. Um I there's a lot of things I could pick, but when people come up to me at events and say that I didn't give up being in the industry because I saw someone like me, or when you do PAX panels or things like that, and I'm going to yell at both of you because I'm going to cry. Do it. Um, do it. Do it. Wow. My friend of 20 years, y'all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I just got my face done earlier. Don't make me cry. Salty tears don't help. Um, it's when it's when you have those moments, because that's not why I do this. I did it, frankly, because I'm a petty, angry asshole. <laughs> and and spite motivated me. Um, but it's moments like that where you realize just being present, just being yourself. Mm. Because we've seen so many people contort themselves into something they are absolutely not to fit in, to having to live in the closet to survive, to not being who they are, and knowing that just being loud on Twitter, talking on a panel, doing stuff like Rivals or Motherlands or being on Black Dice means a lot to people and the ways in which people responded to the um award announcement that i had no idea i had no idea some people stayed in the industry because just me being who i am so that and um the other i guess the other thing which ties back to london uh i was in uh exhibit at the victorian albert museum and uh yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was play design disrupt at the VNA. And I got to go out there and again, it was very weird. And I don't know if Steven's still in chat, Steven enjoys um, Steven uh, J and a bunch of friends that live there came over and we went in and watched the exhibit. And then it was hilarious because we were walking around later and people did that double take of 
but I just saw you on the <laughs> um Steven is still in chat and just, just yeah. so you know. Oh hi. <laughs> um but stuff like that where it's like and and I'll probably reuse this for my speech next week, but just the fact that through spiteful, angry action and and grumpy tweets before I left for work, all this has happened mm-hmm. and that people believe in me and trust in me. And again, I don't do this for accolades. I don't do this for money. I mean, I do it for money because I need a roof over my head, but I don't do it to be rich. Yeah. I'm never going to be rich. Um, knowing that one action can have such a profound effect or even just saying hi to someone or replying to their tweet because but brian is going to laugh because he knows that i am very much okay i've peopled enough goodbye um because i i don't know what to do i'm just like uh uh thanks i gotta i gotta go um glad this helped and then i make like a cloud and and go um we're getting actual smoke bombs for the next convention. We're like, we're getting literal smoke bombs. <laughs> just be like, poof, and done. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> non-toxic. Nin- ninja your way out of there. Just like, you know, vanish out. Yeah. But I mean, just, you know, getting to speak at the Smithsonian, getting to be an exhibit at the VNA, you know, getting this award from Gaming Magazine. That people see the work I do because I just go do stuff. I'm not thinking about it. And uh, a friend of ours, Lamia, mental Lamia on Twitter. They were telling me, it's like, you humble yourself and make yourself small. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know about all that, but I'm also profoundly uncomfortable with a lot of attention Mm -hmm. for doing. I, I, I don't want to be someone who's lauded for being a decent person for doing the bare minimum and treating other people nicely. And granted, once I don't like you, that's a whole other story. But the things that I do when I'm nice to people are the bare fucking minimum you should do. And, you know, I do a lot of the work I do is because I, you know, we're not going to be here forever. I would love for people that are like an age where they would be my kid to see themselves in these games and not have to hunt down, you know, five-year-old games or have to deal with people yelling at them online that they don't belong or tell them to go back to Africa. If they just say, Hey, it'd be great to have a black protagonist. Mm. It'd be great to be queer in a game or see neurodivergence as just part and parcel of a character versus someone's neurodivergent. And therefore that's their MO for being evil. So stuff like that. I, know. I think about an old, an old comment from like queer activist circles um, from like the eighties and nineties to realize that, your mere existence is activism. And mm. I think that's a lot of what it is, is the fact that you are simply out there saying these things, asking these questions, doing these things. And yes, you are recognized for your efforts and your actions. But the fact that you're merely there is for a lot of people, all they need for it to be meaningful. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's... Uh... <laughs> Did did you want to follow up on that? Because I have another question for you. Unless you unless you want to. Uh no, I've talked funny. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I I feel I feel I'm waiting for my phone to light up. I'm just waiting. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll pivot slightly because I 
Okay. Going back to you talked about that you had a, a stalker, and I know that you've you've dealt with your fair share of problems on Twitch, be it harassment, mm. trolls. I mean, we, uh, during our conversation, this has come up several times. Um, for any uh, POC creators or, or queer creators uh, looking to get into the industry or, or streaming in general, um, would you have any words of advice for them? Doesn't need to be any like um, grand. Uh, like thing just uh just what would you tell them um i would say one think about why you even want to stream because mm. there are so many people that we come across that think streaming is easy money they don't realize the amount of work that goes into it and you know you know let's not even put partnership or affiliate on the board just getting your stream going and having it go well mm-hmm. and and think about why do you want to stream do you want to build a community are you just like, this is a hobby. I'm going to stream once a week when I feel like it from my console. Or do you want to come in and make a money grab? Because if you do, I have bad news for you. I have <laughs> really bad news for you. Uh, that ain't happening. <laughs> this, uh-uh. it ain't, it's not happening. Like Brian and I did a panel on this a few years ago. is Because there are a lot of people who see the top folks mm-hmm. and think that they can go out and burn money on a rig and camera and all And it's like, and this is me being a terrible human being, but I'm just going to tell you all. You can have a $10,000 computer, $5,000 mic, $5,000 camera if you're boring, you're fucking boring. Because mm-hmm. there are people I see who sit there and, you know, thousand yard stare into a camera while they're doing whatever. They don't talk, they don't interact, they don't do anything. Or they think, I, I made a Twitch channel, I made a Discord, I've got a community. You've got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you think about why you want to stream, you still want to do it. Talk to people who've been streaming, not in the follow for follow way, but in the, Hey, I see you've been streaming five years, two years, whatever. What is it you like about it? What would you recommend? And also just do some basic research. There's a million videos, but look for videos from other people of color. Don't find the streaming one oh one from, you know, Whitey McBro, who's got 20,000 followers already. Um, I see you, Brian. I see not that masterclass. Not that masterclass from Ninja. Yo, that's all I'm saying. Don't mm. do it. <laughs> no, don't don't spend money on that. I, look, message me. I will help you for free. Um, <laughs> but also start small. No, because even if you decide you why you want to do it, you may try to stream and not like it. You may decide, oh, this, I got to do all this work. I've got to be my own rep, my own graphics. You know, someone fixes something goes wrong. Not everybody's going to want to do it. And then think about your path. Because at a certain point, once you start making money doing it, you're your own business. You're a self-employed content creator. And also realize that, you know, the crab in a barrel mentality has to go. It's going to be a lot easier to actually make friends mm-hmm. and not think of it as, well, let's let's say if, if the shoe was on the other foot and Brian's getting some work. And it was, well, I'm going to be mad because Brian got it. How dare he get it? And we see that attitude with streamers all the time or someone announces, Oh, I got a partnership. I got whatever. It costs nothing to be a decent person and celebrate your peers. Um, Learn to learn to collaborate. Don't pop up in people's stream going, Hey, I'm streaming or I will learn how to stream. Cause when someone's live, they're not there to teach you. Granted, many of us have more patience than I do. And they will answer these questions Shout out to DJ Knight because I could not be him most days because he's much nicer than I am. Um, but do some basic research, try a few streams, and also 
talk to people, get at least one human mod when you start. Um, <laughs> don't rely just on your bots. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a person of color, make a decision. Do you want to be on camera or not? Do you, you know, like I've got a deeper voice when I'm not on camera. I often get misgendered. You know, how will you deal with this? Are you, is someone going to call you a slur and then you never stream again? Or are you spiteful like me and keep streaming? Um, you know, think about why you want to do it. What is it you want to get out of it? Is it a hobby? Do you want to make it a career? Think about equipment. And also, you know, to, to knock out the elitists, there is nothing wrong with starting on a console. Both Brian and I start streaming direct from our consoles. 100%. And you don't have to have like, you know, an $8,000 Alienware computer to start streaming. If you've got one already, cool. Don't go out and buy an $8,000 Alienware computer <laughs> thinking you're going to make that money back in the year because you're not. I I can pay some bills with streaming. So diversify your revenue streams. Realize that you're going to put way more time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears and money into this before you see anything back. You know, and just... See who else streams, you know, like there are teams of people. Um, I know Black Twitch UK, I think, has a team. There's Noir Network. There's all these people that are present. Just go follow. Don't be weird. Don't be creepy. Don't come in the streams for advice. Just follow. See what the vibe is. See what your vibe is. And, you know, and I know this is hard because I know we talk about being on when we're on camera. I, I like to say that I am the same person on camera that I am when I'm not. Yeah, I never really got that. It's I, like I I understand like some people like put on a uh, a front or a character sometimes, but I I never really understood how 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 people can essentially like fake their personality while on camera. Because uh, I I mean yeah, that's yeah. a lot. I mean I I tell people like they ask me if I'm different, and I say I'm just me turned up to eleven if I'm on camera, mm. but it's still me. <laughs> I just I just get rid of the fact that I'm sad all the time. <laughs> Oh, oh no, true, legit. Okay, I gotta go cry. Just, now. just push that aside. Wait, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like playing camera. validate? Did you mean playing validate um, in the game coming for our next? Yeah, that's um but also and you know, and be okay with not enjoying streaming. Mm. It's not for everyone because I think a lot of us are so afraid of failing because you see, well, I see so and so do this, and they've got a hundred followers, they've got a thousand followers. They're always getting like a, a hype train. That's them. Um, and this is basically uh, advice B Dave gave gives when people ask him about being like B Dave or being like Matt Mercer, or being like other people. It's like you can't do what we do, and that's not a brag. That's not being rude. Our paths, all of us, were different to get to the space. You know. Also, Brian and I are closer in age, so you have to factor in. You know, person of color, queer older in a space that is predominantly young white male oriented that rewards shitty behavior how do you then stand out as someone who wants to have a chill vibe or even if you are being loud and hype there's a million other people that have been doing this for years ahead of you how do you stand out yeah it's very it's very difficult to find that answer sometimes so definitely worth thinking about Hmm. yeah yeah um I mean, to talk, you know, I guess to to jump off of that advice for people who are thinking about getting into it, um, to, to kind of bring it back to you, what does the future hold for you, Tanya DePass? Um, we'd love to know more about your plans. Do you plan on going to more conventions? I know you're going to be in the Gaming Awards next next week. It's so weird to say. 
<laughs> next Monday, you're going to be in London. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but yeah. is there anything else coming up that you're looking forward to uh, or you're working on that you can talk uh, about? I should I should add <laughs> that you can talk about because you are not going to get away with saying yes, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> um so what's in the future for me? I'm I'm in London for a while. Um, well, tomorrow we have our, our kitten rescue. Speaking of cats, yeah. we have our kitten rescue. But this time it's just strictly for fun. It's just us being goofy. Um, you do a kitten rescue? It's There is a one-shot kitten rescue, yeah. That's so amazing. Um, I don't know. I, I'll go find the tweet for the chat. But there were a lot of really fun uh, D&D-based one-shots that were released that were mo- mentioned. It was a Kotaku or Polygon that mentioned them. Polygon? And, um, and one of them was the kitten rescue. And we did the first... We did the first episode or the first session of it, which is an early part of the rescue, but there's more to that adventure that we're going to go back and do. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's mainly working on the book. We have a break from rivals. So I get my Sundays back for a while. Um, I'm truly trying to think. And then probably disassembling and re upgrading my 3d printer, which is (laughs) I've got all the parts. And if I ever get my cameras back online, I will, be doing more crafting streams because I found out people will just watch a 3D printer go. Yes, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I love it. it's fascinating. It really is. I, I, you know what? I want one so bad. Like I, I, I can't justify the purchase right now because I don't know what I'd do with it, even if I have it. But like, I, I'm so intrigued by the fact that you can just like make things and it becomes an actual thing in your hand. It's, it's. I mean, crazy. You know, you talk about like sci-fi settings. That is the that is currently the closest thing we have to sci-fi, where somebody just comes up with some widget or doohickey that you could use around the house. Mm. They send you the specs, and you're like, okay, I'll just print that overnight. Thanks. Mm. It's uh, not <laughs> yeah. not quite a replicator, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> I mean, I found so many like household things of, oh, you don't have a divider for your drawer? Here, print one. Wow. And I'm like. <laughs> Okay, sure. Don't have a dice tray? Print one. Yeah. And I have like wood filaments. So in theory, I could print myself a set of wooden dice. If I just really, really needed dice, I don't. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I love that. Yeah, just doing more crafty stuff. And I think I'm going to try to take the time between rival seasons to use my weekend more effectively because I'm the worst at self-care. Mm. I'm the absolute worst. Mm. Mm. I feel that. I feel that when you're a, when you're a content creator or a streamer in general, like self care kind of sometimes just goes out the window. For the, Taking care of yourself that mm. is that's nonsense. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel you. What self care? That's oh. not. No, I don't know. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> but but as for cons, <laughs> so there's a plan right now for STCC again for Motherlands. We nothing's final, but I hope we can pull it off. Mm. Maybe PAX West. And then uh, for those tabletop folks watching, I will be a Gen Con, uh, both as a guest of the Writer's Symposium and also I'm doing DEI work with Gen Con again. So nice. That's awesome. Right. We are going to move on to something uh, to finish off the podcast. We like to call uh, quick fire questions. We always end with this and it's always a fun time. Uh, we're going to ask you some questions. You're just going to have to say the first okay. thing that uh, comes to mind. Uh, it's a little bit of fun. And I'm going to let Brian shoot the first question off at you. Yeah, just disclaimer. Yeah. I also hate these, so I can see your face. And I know that you're looking no, forward to No, I'm like, oh, God. So I, I'm either um, going to freeze or blurt out something entirely inappropriate. So Perfect. starting off, what's, what's been your favorite game this year? 
There it is. There's the freeze. Ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. Um, hey! There's been so many games. Uh, you really have been. <laughs> like, oh god, which of the eight million games that came out this year? Um, I'm going to cheat and say the updates to Baldur's Gate three. Okay, okay. that works. Uh, what was the one game that defined your childhood? Uh, Street Fighter in the arcade. Nice. Who's your favorite video game character? Fenris from Dragon Age 2. I figured that was coming, yep. Awesome. <laughs> uh, which game would you most want a sequel to? Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is coming, but who knows when. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, the, oh, go ahead. or Mafia 3. Okay. Oh, nice. Um, sky's the limit. Who would be your dream stream guest? Alive or dead? Not necromancy. Um, <laughs> Talison Jaffe. Oh, nice. Uh, which game are you most looking forward to coming out this year? This year? Forspoken with an asterisk. Nice. Um, if you were marooned on an island and yet had the ability to play games, yeah. what three games would you want to have? They even you? have the this internet here like, on this island. They have the internet on this marooned island. You can't do anything else. You can't get out, but what three games would you want to have with you? Uh, Dragon Age 2, Mass Effect 3, and uh, Forza 5. Okay, some mm-hmm. stellar choices. Uh, which game has the best soundtrack or game series? Ooh, uh, I don't know. Difficult. The worst. Um, I'm I'm gonna stick with Halo. Okay, okay. This next yes. question, by the way, you you're free to take as much time as you want with this one. Yeah, this okay. one is this one is all brag about yourself. So, where can people find oh, no. your content, and what have you got coming up on your channel? I see what you did there. Um, uh, you can find me everywhere. Cipher of T R C Y P H E R O F T Y R. Um, tomorrow on our channel five five thirty central. I don't know the exact time. We're gonna rescue some kittens and have some fun. Brian will be there. A few other friends. Uh, Thursday, Black Eye Society season two episode eleven, and then Monday you'll see the gaming awards, and I will be gone for a while, so I won't be back till early. And uh, just follow me on the tweeters, the Instagrams, everywhere else. But don't be a weirdo. Then I'll just block Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) And uh, my lovely, lovely co-host, Brian, thank you so much for spending your time here today. Uh, What have you got coming up on your channel? And where can people find your content? You can find me on the internet uh, everywhere as Urban Bohemian. Um, I stream three days a week. This coming Tuesday, I'm actually not sure what we'll be playing. um, And I'll be away next weekend. But also, as Tanya mentioned, we'll be on her channel tomorrow evening. Uh, playing the next part of our Waterdeep Kitten Rescue. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you both uh, for joining me today. I hope you've had yourself uh, an okay time here, I guess. I, I had a blast. It's been so great getting to to pick your brain and uh, getting to know you a little bit better. And so thank you for, for, for being here. You're welcome. It was, it was far superior to just okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I I had a really good time. I just hope y'all y'all did too. So, yeah. I don't know what we're gonna get from the cat. Is, how is your cat gonna give us a good review or not? Uh, 
See, now that it's ending, he's up on his pedestal being nice and quiet. It's great. Uh -huh. Like, mm, <laughs> just, oh, oh. It's always the same way. I'm going to start locking him away somewhere, I think. I don't know. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apologies okay. for if you were are an audio listener and you listen to this now. Um, uh, we've had intermittent interruptions uh, from my wonderful, wonderful cat, Mochi, um, who just would not leave me or the desk alone. And at one point, actually tried to climb up and uh, get on top of the monitors. So that 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 was uh, that was fun. That was fun. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And, and apparently my camera froze at one point, too, which has never happened before. But there we go. It's a, a cursed day for me today, but um, it's been fantastic nonetheless. I do want to say thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Gaming Podcast Live. We will be back in two weeks time with another guest after the Gaming Awards, which will be absolutely fantastic. If you make it down to that, please do. That's on the uh, 25th of April in London. So make sure you watch that on this channel. And uh, that that's that's not all for this channel, though, right, Mia? You've got a new Let's Go Gaming show. Yes, yes, we do Let's Go Gaming on this channel, too. Every Wednesday or Thursday, every week, you can find me live here, right here on twitch.tv forward slash gaming mag, uh, where you can join myself and a number of super special guests as we play all manner of games. Uh, it's usually at around 8 p.m. UK time or your regional equivalent. It's always a lot of fun. And uh, I think this week we have another Gaming Rising Star nominee, uh, Crunchy. So that's going to be all Lovely. of the fun. All of the fun. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you can follow the Gaming Mag channel uh, here on Twitch or subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of these amazing shows. The podcasts can be listened back to on any um, any and all major platforms. Or I am. I just messed that. That's okay. Up. It's fine. Yeah. Listen back to the podcasts on all the major podcast platforms. If you're listening there now, come on over to Twitch to watch us live. Head over to Twitch.tv/gamingmag. That is G-A-Y-M-I-N-G-M-A-G. Absolutely. And uh, if you are here right now, do not forget to hit the follow button because again. Lots of amazing stuff coming up. But I do want to say a massive thank you to uh, my co-host and the wonderful super special guest for being here today. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, do not forget to keep reading Gaming Magazine and we will see you all soon. Bye for now. Bye.